don't know where this is going to end up, but I, I don't think it's going to end up anywhere good at this point. I feel like the last thing that America needs is another war in the Middle East. You get more points like if you're young and if you have degrees, if you're educated, if you have money already. Well, bon voyage. Yep. Fresh. You've served the Seahawks very, very well. He's he's great. He's an amazing player. Fantastic. Welcome to the south of the streets. Coming at you every week with this food for thought. Hope you're ready to eat. With everything going on in this nation, we need some information. And that's why salt need to be stationed in your rotation. With real talk and real topics, real people, real problems. Think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to Colin and the Donovan. Cause that's the and just like a red, white, and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship, we are back to Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, May what is that? 18th, 10.30. <laughs> I got to have a bite. It's a white picture. I couldn't see it. May 18, 10.39 p.m., episode 58. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast. Your one and only source for social and political commentary on weekly news, pop culture, and sports all completely built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come on and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless efforts to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your hosts. I am Colin. I am Donovan. And coming up on this week's show, tensions continue to ratchet up between the United States and the Islamic Republic of Iran. We've got a bevy of new... Abortion laws coming in on multiple states and multiple fronts. And so we're going to hit some of those. We're going to save the generalized abortion debate for another day. Yes. And um, after that, we've got uh, some President Trump. He's got a new, I guess you'd call it a a quote-unquote plan for a a new immigration plan. And then we're going to be talking about Marvel's Avengers Endgame and, of course, Game of Thrones, which we're going to be a week behind. Season finale comes out tomorrow because we record on Saturday. So I hope it wasn't a total devastation for everybody that appreciates Game of Thrones. Are you scared at all? Sorry to interrupt you. Are you scared at all that it's going to end really shitty like The Sopranos? <laughs> Cut to black. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, like, I don't. Not that same way, but a really shitty way like that where everyone's like, what the fuck? You know what? Let's save that for pop culture. I want, I want to <laughs> okay. give my my theory, I guess, my where I think it's going to end. Deal. And I would like to know yours. Deal. So we'll save that for pop culture towards the end of the podcast. But other than that, um, I think before we're going to go any further, I want to give a big shout out to one of our newest awesome listeners, Alicia. It is your birthday on the 24th. First, I happy believe. Birthday. Happy so, birthday. Happy preemptive birthday, Alicia. Shout out. You got something coming your way for your birthday. Oh. Um, but <gasps> other than that, I think uh, I think that's about it. We can we could probably fit in all this stuff. I do have a wedding to attend this afternoon. So if we start running long, we might have to cut short, but we'll keep an eye on the clock and see what happens. Yeah. But other than that, how's your week been, homie? It was good. It was it was a good week. Um, it's picking back up at work, which is good. good. Oh, the stack stack's growing. Yeah, you always need more money. Um, <laughs> yep. Went, definitely. I went and went the did the concealed weapons permit yesterday, so that was cool. Went and looked at some guns. Um, looked at I saw like an HK that I really liked. Um, I looked at 
nine mils, some forties, and a couple of ten mils too. I'm a fan um, of the forty stopping power. Yeah, um, <clears throat> and because I need I need some in full size. You know, mm-hmm. um, like I looked at a couple of subcompacts, but my hands are so wide that that's not an option. Oh yeah, or like I need to get like a clip extender, you know, for like a pinky extension. And at that point, like I might as well just be carrying a full size anyway, because yeah. I've already got like a full clip in there. So um, magazine, magazine. Yeah. No, sorry, magazine. You're correct. You're, you're <laughs> correct. You're correct. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. So All the gun aficionados are like, it's not a clip. Like, God damn it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They get real they, protective about that kind of now stuff. Now they're concerned that I'm not a, a responsible gun owner because now I went to get my concealed weapons permit. And I don't even know the difference between a clip and a magazine. Hey, but I do. It does indeed essentially speak to the same thing. Yes. <sighs> what about you? It's good, bro. I've had a good week. Some stream skis last night. A yes. Bit, uh, Twitch screens. Just stream skis. <laughs> a little stream skis. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Carolina started a new, uh, I don't know what you would call that in the Twitch world. I'm still learning a lot about the Twitch world, but, you know, she's going to start a series of video video games and we actually she wanted to include me in a lot of that stuff and so we actually have two games now that we were scheduled two days a week to play last night was the first night and we played we're starting with the original borderlands game of the year edition on ps4 and we just started that so we're going to play all the way through that play through the second one we're probably going to forget the the pre-sequel or whatever the hell they call that and then and then we'll jump into um, the new Borderlands three after we finished the first and second one. And are you on camera or are you? Just, no, she is. Just I'm just video. in the party. Okay. I just get to throw my voice out there. Yeah. You know, this is the only camera I feel comfortable about being in front of. Come on. We guys. look good on this camera. I think you, I do, think we you do. do a good job of, of photoshopping us at 50% to make us look presentable. It's good. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really look like this. Whatever you're seeing is way different. So. Yeah, I'm using that new uh, AI machine they have yeah, that, yeah. that makes everybody like look different. And you can... Have you seen some of those things? Those yes. deep fake videos? Yeah. <sighs> if we do a live show one day, you guys are going to be sorely disappointed with what you see. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Okay. We do do the the live stream pre-show. That's got to count for oh, something, shit. right? I don't, I, I'm not smart enough to be able to figure how to change that one out yeah, on the fly. I guess I forgot that we do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, Whoops. that's funny. So but, what do you what do you want to get into first? I want to get into our social medias. Uh, yeah, there you, you can <laughs> you can uh, can find us at our personal social medias. I am at Salt of the Street on Twitter and Alpaca underscore Donovan on Instagram. And Colin is at Big Bird Offy on both those things. We have also our Salt of the Streets Instagram at Salt of the Streets. We have our Salt of the Streets Facebook, YouTube at Salt of the Streets. You can find everything Salt of the Streets Give us a shout out and a follow. Um, also, give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts wherever you listen to us. It really helps us. It helps other people find us. Helps our podcast get bigger. Um, retweet our stuff. Share it. Just just spread it. You know, even if whatever. Just just help. Just help other people find out about it. Really, it's um, all you got to do. All you got to yeah. do is spread that word of mouth, baby. If you like anything at all that we do, you know, just give us a share instead of a like. Like a, a like is cool too, but but a share, like that's that's what really helps. I'll be know? greedy. I'm yeah. going to ask for both. A Come word. on, baby. You I would love it. both. But <laughs> if, if I can only have one, you know, give me a retweet and a share. That's that's what really helps us out right now. So um, that's it. What do you, you want to hit first? Do you want to do Iran first? Do you wanna, I think I want to hit the Iran first. Yeah. You do? Okay. Yeah, this was something we, ha- we had mentioned last week's uh, show, but we just kind of, as usual, we ran out of time. Um, 
So I think we should probably start with the military buildup, essentially, of what's been going on, and we'll kind of get caught up to where we're at today. Um, so wow. I don't remember the exact day. Is it good stuff today? Yeah, do you want... No, not okay. right now. Um, it's some Snoop's Dream. Snoop's Dream? Snoop's Dream, yeah. Sweet berry and blueberry. That's what it tastes like. Oh. Apparently on this. Interesting. Um, it was the eighth last week that Iran said that it was going to walk away from the nuclear standards that it was established under the Iran nuclear deal that Trump withdrew from last year. We covered that. Yep. I will... Uh, link to that in the show notes and everything so that you guys will know where that is at. Um, and I do that, I guess I c- could do it on SoundCloud, but just so people know, I'm not not doing it. They're there on the website. If you go to the website and the posting there, um, everything is linked in there. Also on our Facebook, I've been doing a listing of the episodes uh, because all the hot links don't always transfer over to yeah. Facebook. But there's a listing there so you can go through our podcast on any of the apps or anything like that. You can look for it on the website on YouTube and just know the episode. Um, and almost always, not, not forever, but almost always now in the show notes, there is a timestamp for where in the episode you can find that particular thing that you want to hear. Yeah. If you're really focused on that. Um, oh, and newsflash, we're on fucking Spotify now. We are on Spotify. Hi, fucking oh. five. Um, like Welcome a, to Spotify. A good example. I know, like Casey. I was talking to Case Bowles about getting buying guns and getting the the concealed weapons permit. And so we were talking about the laws. And I told him, I was like, I don't remember everything off the top of my head because I've retained so much knowledge since then. I said, but I know that we talked about it, so you can go back to the episode and you'll be able to listen to it. And it probably says in there at one point we talked about that. You yep. know. So even if you're just going back because you know that we've talked about something and you're just trying to remember some information. It's almost always there in the notes so that you can go and find it. And they're in, even if the timestamps aren't there, I do the description in order. Yeah. So you can kind of skip through a little bit, you know? And there was something. I'm about, all about being user friendly, you know? Oh my gosh. Carolina is just like blown up my phone with like everybody's birthday that's coming up. Oh, well, I'll give Tatiana a shout out. You know, she's a fun person. Oh, her cousin? Yeah. Yeah, I met her once. She's a doctor. It's no big deal, you know? She's a doctor. It's no big deal. Yeah, she's uh she's over in New York. Yeah, hanging out, doing her thing. Um, but there was one other thing that was really cool. I found out about Spotify when I pulled up our podcast because you should go to Spotify if you're a Spotify user and search Salt of the Streets podcast. Give us a follow and uh, make sure you're following the. If I go to an episode with a. Oh, that's a pre-show. That won't have it in there. Where you have your timestamps in there, you can click on the timestamp and Spotify will take you directly to that spot and you can listen exactly right there. That's really it cool. It is minimal effort, baby. Minimal effort. Do you so, see how much cool. we care about you? That's that all much. we care about anymore. That's Truth? how much. Truth and you. That's how much. Truth and you. Um, so... <laughs> So, so anyways, yeah, Iran's yeah. backing out of their they're walking away now from <laughs> from the Iran nuclear deal after the US did. And they told Europe, um, a lot of European countries, not like Europe as a whole, they told just hey Europe, what's yeah, up? Right. They told a lot of European countries that they either need to figure out some type of nuclear deal or they they want to recoup the losses that they feel that they have received from the U.S. sanctions, uh, from other countries not being able to do business with them. Mm-hmm. So Iran said that 
the steps they're they're stepping back from it. They said they're going to ramp up their nuclear production. They're going to raise the uh, so the viability of their uranium. What yeah, is the, the uh, they're going to the enrichment. There you go. There enrichment. Go. There you go. They're going to re-enrich it. Like twenty percent, I think, is is like weapons grade. Yes, and, and right then, now they're. With like the current five. nuclear deal, they're I think yeah they're at a lower percentage, but that's what's deemed, you know, necessary or minimally necessary to create nuclear energy. Right. Versus you have to enrich <clears throat> the uranium to a certain point, become it before it becomes military grade, weapons grade, whatever you want to call it. And right. That's kind of where the problem lies, because I think we should we should make sure to note that the. Iran nuclear deal, the reason, you know, if you can hear Trump talk about it, he just said it's a terrible deal, it was a bad deal, we should have never made the deal. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason he says that, and he's such a poor orator, he never explains why he doesn't like it. And it's simply due to the fact that the it doesn't stop them from actually pursuing a nuclear path. It just, it kind of like pulls the reins back and slows their progress. <laughs> But by pulling out of it and, you know, essentially if one party pulls out, the whole thing loses its integrity and then it right. opens up the possi- possibility for them to continue to enrich ura- uh, uranium and to then, a weapons grade And level. the negotiations have been in a standstill because the United States wants to, after President Trump pulled the United States out of the agreement, they want to negotiate a new agreement with Iran, but Iran insists that they enter back into the nuclear agreement before they renegotiate to anything else. And that is what the standstill is mm-hmm. currently. Um, and and again, because there's been sanctions on there until Iran will negotiate with the United States, Iran has been suffering economic losses because of this. And so... In response to Iran saying that they were going to step back and begin to re-enrich their uranium, the United States placed more sanctions, 10% sanctions on the steel, aluminum, iron, and copper industries in Iran. Um, And the administration, I mean, even as high up as Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, I was like, wait, what's his title again? I forgot. Yeah. And uh, Vice President Pence have been meeting with our European allies that are involved in that deal as well and pushing them to also pull out of the deal and essentially side with us on this one and enter into essentially trying to get a new deal going. And it's not really, it's not really making any headway. Right. You know, I mean, the EU and, you know, the rest of the European allies and and people involved in that Iranian nuclear deal, they, for a while, they tried to institute a a barter system um, because of the the way the U.S. sanctions are drawn up. It it would, it leaves the potential for the U.S. to essentially sanction anyone that does business with Iran at this point. They're so extreme that they're actually... The way they're written, we could start sanctioning even the UK and France and Germany and Israel. And we have a president very willing to do so and has stated as such that he does not approve of any European countries doing any business with Iran. And then he is willing to place sanctions on those countries. And unfortunately, their little, their barter kind of idea hasn't really uh, gone anywhere. It it hasn't really worked very well. So now that it also, I'm sorry, they're just feeling the heat. It also does not help. The negotiations with Europe that there does not appear to be a decided strategy among the White House where 
you have Mike Pompeo and John Bolden, who we talked about when they got put in those places were very hawkish about Iran, that which which means that there are they are not closed off to the idea of military intervention in Iran, which is mm-hmm. something that Mike Pompeo has stated, which is something that John Bolton has stated. They have they have both said that outright. I think President, even during John Bolton's tenure at, at the uh, Bush in the Bush administration, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, um, and. President Trump is insisting that he doesn't want I what doesn't want war with Iran. That we're not going to go to war with Iran. We're not going to do this. But Mike Pompeo and, I, and again John Bolton, they are not stepping back from their willingness to pursue military intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, and due to that, examples uh, it was last week or the week I think it was the week before because it was we were going to talk about it. Yeah, last show we just ran out of time, but we have started a essentially a naval military buildup. Over right there, right. The USS Arlington, which is a amphibious uh, vehicles and aircraft transport, also carries a ton of Marines, uh, has joined the USS Abraham Lincoln Strike Group, which is a, an aircraft carrier in the Persian Gulf. We have also sent US B-52 bombers to our air base in Qatar in response to these. Well, actually, I should step back. After all of these... Things have been happening with the nuclear deal, right? Yes. Uh, apparently, there has been a credible intelligence report that Iranians and their proxy forces were given the green light to attack U.S. troops. Um, the proxy forces in Iraq and Syria. Yes. Sorry. Um, no, that's okay because there's also – because there's no – there. you're correct. There, The government has said – not as a whole. Yes. The intelligence community has said that there is a credible threat. No evidence has been provided, which is not surprising if it's classified material still, mm-hmm. but there's not anything. Nothing's been leaked. There's nothing. There's not any evidence that the journalism community has to verify that, right? Yeah, this is strictly on the, you know, the covert intelligence. Right. There basis. is also reports of small vessels in the Persian Gulf with missiles on them that are traveling around, you know, the US fleet and shipping fleets and stuff like that. And Iran has been accused of bombing oil tankers in the Gulf Coast that belong to mm-hmm. the UAE, to the Saudis, and one to like the Netherlands, I think. Yeah. Um something like that. Yes. And again, but- none of these things have been corroborated, but they're uh, they're all being blamed on iran and i'm not saying that that's not well placed blame but that's the blame is being placed on iran for those things by john bolton by the intelligence community by uh the secretary of state mike pompeo Mm -hmm. and again they are not that there are reports of them moving a hundred up to one hundred twenty thousand troops into those areas to fight those proxy forces like you were talking about in iraq and in syria which Again, comes right after reports just a few months ago of President Trump pulling all of the soldiers out of yeah. Syria, um, which is something that we talked about when that was announced, that there was potential there for a resurgence of – is that the right? Yep. A resurgence of – of insurgents, yeah. yeah, of of ISIS, of terrorist forces in those areas if we were to completely pull out. That we talked about – the three generations idea that that has been talked about through mm-hmm. several different military people that I have spoken to, you know. Um, I, I mean, you can look at some serious examples in recent history, Libya and, you know, in some ways, Iraq. And, I mean, 
Syria. I mean, all these different things that you create a vacuum and it's, I feel like it's been time tested now that that vacuum will be filled yeah. by somebody and it's not usually going to be a legitimate government. Almost always bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I would like to also point out that we talked briefly about those, those oil tankers that were, were hit. They were attacked in some fashion. Yes. And the general consensus coming from, uh, the Iranian government at those were acts of sabotage and that more or less they had nothing to do with it, of course. Um, but again, it's it's really it's really easy to draw the the parallel between the two and assume one way, and so it's but it's open because there's no telling what's true here at this point. Right. It is widely discussed throughout the world. I think that excuse me, Iran is generally considered to be the number one state sponsor of terrorism. Right. I I would argue that Saudi Arabia is is in close contention for number one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't, I think that it, it doesn't really matter, right? There yeah. is, there is no doubt that Iran plays a hand in terrorist forces that America is dealing with around the globe. You mm-hmm. know, there's no doubt about that. So there is certainly some reason to believe that they would have something to do with this. Um, but again, there is, there's no journalistic evidence as of now, but that also, Again, is not surprising if that evidence is still classified material that's just yep. circulating within the intelligence community, within the military community. Um, Tulsi Gabbard, the 2020 uh, Democratic candidate, was Tulsi on Gabbard. Fox News the other day. Yeah. Um, she also did another episode of Joe Rogan, by the way, which was very good. I'm going to listen to that when I have it queued up. I've, I, you know, if I was going to vote Democrat at this point, Tulsi's, I think, my girl. You're not the only person I have heard say that. But I don't think she's going to get past the primaries, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but she was on Fox News talking about it. She is a career soldier. And she's uh, she's active right now in the National Guard while she is also a state representative. Um, she has a long. She's been deployed twice to the Middle East, and you know, so she has a, you know, she's got a leg to stand on when she talks foreign policy and stuff like that. And uh, she. Uh, she said that next week, um, the congressional intelligence communities are set to be briefed on this intelligence that people have been talking about. Okay. So I'm hoping by the end of next week sometime, we'll, we'll probably have some, some corroboration. Um, right now, I am venturing Excuse a guess me. that the... Is it Mossad? Is the special forces, uh, you know, the yes. Secret Service, yeah, essentially I Israel? So. I I wouldn't doubt the intelligence we're getting is from the Israelis. Yeah, which is actually where we get a, a huge portion of our intelligence in the Middle East right now, and have been for decades at this point. So we'll kind of probably find out a little bit more to the end of the week. But at this point, the Iranian government is essentially playing dumb, and oh, they're trying to. You know, we're at the what we call the saber rattling. Point, you know, the U.S. is flexing their their military might a little bit, saying that you know we're moving forces in, we're we're getting ready. I mean, nothing's this is America, so military force is never actually off the table. But it's it's an escalation that we've seen continue to rise over the last few weeks and few months in general. And I don't, 
I don't know where this is going to end up, but I, I don't think it's going to end up anywhere good at this point. I feel like the last thing that America needs is another war in the Middle East. Oh, yeah. Um, but, and it's, it's, there are some people that generally would make the argument for like stimulating the economy, you know, but the, the economy has been doing pretty well under President Trump. So yeah. there, there's not an economic reason. I, I mean, other than, oil and whatever i mean i don't know does, does iran have a bunch of oil there i don't know oh yeah, um, yeah. so and yeah. actually um they're they're chief. i know they have i mean i know they produce oil but i don't i just yeah i mean they they produce a massive amount of oil of and their chief i don't know if you call exporters the people that buy their oil are the countries like india china japan south korea turkey um, and so these are countries that are are indirectly well, I mean, I guess directly affected by the sanctions that are, are happening with Iran and the oil. Right. And China actually buys a whole 50% of Fuck. what Iran creates. What God damn. Yeah. Not what they create, but what they export. So, so China's even more pissed off. Yup. <clears throat> and we'll get into that a little bit later. Just a little bit of yeah, when we China. Do, and- when we do talk that, I'm curious to see if the the timing is causal or not about kind of the ratcheting up in the trade talks and yeah. the trade war with the elevated sanctions in Iran. Cause that's like it or not, oil is still the currency that runs the world at this point that, that runs power in right. the world and you cut off China. They're not going to be happy about it. No. And it wouldn't surprise me that some of the trade stuff that we'll get into later is, is maybe powered by that underlying sanction activity. And China's making mad technology, you know. Making, stealing. <laughs> I mean, you could steal it and then make it. That's fine, too. Yeah, they're still making it. But where where do you see this oh. Iranian situation going at this point in time? <sighs> knowing what we do know and knowing what we don't know. I don't get a warm fuzzy about it. All I'm saying. <clears throat> no, no. Um, I certainly don't think that there will be like an American invasion in Iran, like there was an American invasion in Iraq. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that that is what will happen. I think that a lot of it will be what we're seeing now: proxy battles in other countries. You know, them fighting forces that we already have on the ground to try and get the upper hand before we have more people there to try and overwhelm the forces that we have there. Um, I think that we'll see probably a lot of skirmishes on the water. You know, we already have generally problems from what I understand when traveling through what is the Strait of Hormuz, you yeah. know, that we have Iranian vessels that come up to American vessels and fuck with them and they say shit over the radios and, you know, they threaten them. And so we already have tensions with them even oh, yeah. just as it is. You know, We have, we have Coast Guard um, assets over there. Just for that purpose, right? For, for doing you know security boardings and stuff yeah. like that, and it's, I mean, it's a real thing. I mean, every time you pull up on a vessel like that, you have no idea what's in there and who's on there, and whether or not they just may not like the side of you and start shooting. So that's what I think we should. That's what I think we should try if we can, um, and. I don't know. I don't want to put this on you, but maybe if you, if you have any, you know, friends that are still in the Coast Guard, um, then I, cause I think a good way to track that is to see if there's going to be an increase in Coast Guard presence in that area. 
then that's, I think, going to be a good indicator of what's going on there. Because like I said, there, if we see an uptick in, in battles on the water, you know, of just little skirmishes, just American vessels being fucked with, you know, then I think that's going to be a good sign of, of things ratcheting up even more, you know? And if that's going to happen, then I would assume that they would, they would have, you know, a, a few more Coast Guard boats out there. So the security would be a little bit higher, a little bit more protection. Um, so I would be, I would be interested to see if that is the case, you know? As tensions in Iran rise, U.S. Coast Guard makes waves in Persian Gulf. You see, these are the, these are those types of ships. These are little boats that they will pull up on with a patrol boat and conduct a boarding because they are in some place that they do not feel they should be. I mean, I don't know validity of, you know, territorial water control and all that, but yeah. I do know so, that mostly they focus on more of port security um, versus open water security. I mean, Navy can handle themselves in the big water. Right. But, um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. And I'll look into that and kind of keep an eye on that and watch it. But it, it does kind of sound like they're at least expanding their presence, whether or not it's increasing in forces. But just from this first glance of the article, it looks like they have a increased operations. We'll say that. Yeah, because we've all, I mean, like you said, we've already seen – an increased naval force there. They, mm-hmm. they have, you know, uh, they also have like, uh, what was it? Anti-missile system that they brought over there, you yep. know, so they, they've, they've got shit that's going on over there in what's the in name the of that s- system called, uh, <laughs> crap. I can't remember. It's got a cool name. Though. Yeah, it does. Oh, that bugs me. I used to, you got it. I'm gonna look it it up. has a cool name. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember what it is, but, um, so that's, that is something that we will be paying attention to, um, as far as, as tensions in Iraq ramping up of military forces there. Um, the 120 troops that are there, that's, that's still just in discussions. Those things are not being moved. There are not forces on the way to the Middle East as of now. Um, but there have been discussions of up to 120,000 troops being moved into those areas, like we said, in Syria, in Iraq, to deal with those proxy forces there from Iran. And just to be clear... Um, THAAD, Anti-Missile a, Defense System. There you go. T-H-A-A-D. Um, a proxy force means that they're not Iranian soldiers in those areas, but they are... I, I don't know that you would... You, I mean, we don't want to call them a coalition, but they're... they're uh, a, a loose coalition of... Of insurgent forces that are funded by the Iranians, that have weapons from the Iranians and probably some training by Iranian uh, special forces or whatever the fuck that are, that are there on the ground. The and same way point, that... I would probably say Russian-trained. We, yeah. That's, that's part right. of the reason that Russia has a presence in Iran is right. so that they can have a controlling hand in what happens in the Middle East. Right. And that would not be surprising yeah. if there was some what's what's the KGB called now? Oh, what is the KGB called? It is the shit. I'm drawing a blank. Yep. So the same way that America um, has military advisors um, that are overseeing. <clears throat> The shit that is going down in the FSB. There you no. go. Yes, the FSB. Vladimir Putin's intense power. Modern day KGB is the FSB. It's the same way that America has military advisors that are overseeing the bombings that are going that's going on in Yemen. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm thinking of. What we would see in those areas is yeah. is some some type of of 
undercoverish forces that are Russian, Iranian, who you know, whoever yeah. it may be, that are there training people that are willing to fight the American forces that are there. And I would assume that there no shortage of people special willing to fight operators. The because right, that's mostly right. who runs our. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. FSB and Iranian special forces, whatever they're called, you know, that's that's kind of what I'm what I'm thinking. I want to say Spetsnaz. Yes, if that's what it's still called, I know. Yeah. I know that it was at one point. I don't know if that's still the Wikipedia will give the me vernacular. <laughs> the Spetsnaz still the Spetsnaz. It appears so. So, but yeah, I mean, there's they're they're a bunch of badasses too, man. There is no world powers that have a, a a special operators unit like the SAS or the Spetsnaz or the SEALs or whatever that isn't a bunch of badasses. Do you remember? Every single one of them. <clears throat> Do you remember the show The Ultimate Warrior? Yes. Where they would, take, they would take different fighting forces from history and match them up in a computer simulation oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. a thousand times. Mm-hmm. And then they would do like a real life, you yeah, know, well, animated. Re- that was a cool show. Yeah. There was, yeah, it'd be like a, a Teutonic Knight versus a Samurai. Or, yeah. Yep. Then they do modern day ones right, too. Right. Yeah. So I watched the Spetsnaz versus some other special forces one time. And Spetsnaz have like, you know, knives that the blades shoot out and wild yeah. shit like that. It was, it was fucking crazy. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. So let's hope that none of that actually becomes a real life situation. So that again is something that we will be tracking uh, in the coming months and probably years. Um, I don't, I don't see America being completely uninvolved in the Middle East for for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if one day <laughs> we adopted the Green New Deal and there was no reliance on fossil fuels, <laughs> I feel like we'd still find a reason to maintain yeah. a presence. Um, whether it's just siding with our Israeli allies and their their life and death struggle, or I don't know, we'd find a reason. I think you know we're America. We like to keep our hands in all the cookie jars. So what I'm saying, which is problematic, to say the least. <laughs> to say the least, you know, right or wrong, it's problematic. <sighs> um, almost dropped the lighter. Oh, dog. That's just about all I have for Iran. Do you have anything else that you want to not really add into that? Uh, the big thing is it's kind of a lot of wait and see at this point, uh, especially knowing that uh, after hearing that thing from Tulsi Gabbard the other day about how Congress is essentially supposed to be briefed sometime next week. Hopefully, we'll know more and we'll kind of find out if not what the intelligence is, where it's coming from, and we'll kind of we'll probably have a rough idea of what it is. Um, and whether or not that turns into a congressional battle over whether or not to go to war, I don't think is ever going to happen because we will – I don't think we will ever declare war as a nation again. I just don't think – I think we've proven that we've – the executive has worked around that enough that they won't – they'll find a reason not to. <clears throat> there are uh, – I think that it depends. There are plenty of people on both sides of the aisle that think that we should – revoke the what is it the author the AUMF the authorization for use of military force or um, if not revoke it then at the very least revise it there are plenty of people on both sides of the aisle that believe that that should be the case Um, and I think that if we saw if we saw the Democrats take the Senate 
and there was a bold enough military action by the executive, I think that we might see that. Um, as of now, with a Mitch McConnell leading the Senate, I don't believe that that is the case. But no. if you were to have someone like Chuck Schumer that was leading the Senate, and you had someone like Nancy Pelosi that was leading the House, I think that you could see at the very least a revision of the UMF, if not a total revocation. Um, because the sad if- thing is that would be devastating for the, the nation as a whole if <clears throat> current political leaders of the Democratic Party, I think, if they took control and actually exercised. God, it would be terrible. Right. But that would probably be a nice side effect as we'd get some yeah. executive fucking checking here. And which, that's what needs to happen for yeah. for the for the best of uh what's the, what what am I trying to say? For in the best interest of the nation. I was trying to say like four different phrases all in, in one, but <laughs> in the best interest of the nation. People in glass houses sink ships. Yeah. <laughs> you know what that's from, right? People in glass houses sink ships. Yeah. But with the stutter on the S. Uh-uh. Boondock Saints. Oh, all right. Oh, that's right. No, I seen it. I bet it's been a while, man. It's been a long time. <laughs> um, so here, let's let's play with that for a second before we, it might be a good segue into touching on Trump's um, immigration bill. Actually, is what you got? this continued? Uh, I would say effort on the side of the executive branch to continue to flex their power as if they are fucking god king of the United States. Through things like the the you, shit military force, the unif- the AUMF AUMF authorization for use of military force. Thank you. Um, which was an executive action, if I do recall, back during so. the nine eleven era, um, as well as I believe the Patriot Act. This sometime this month was due for uh, might be this month or next month, but it's due for reauthorization of the Patriot Act. Senate Joint Resolution 23 by the United States Congress on September 14, 2001. So, yeah. Was the a AUMF. direct response to 9-11 then. Yep. But it wasn't a – so it was a – Was it congressional? Yep. And that's why Congress are the ones that need to revise it or to revoke it. Which makes sense. Get off your ass and pass some shit that actually matters. Um, so, we're going to – here in a minute, we're going to talk about Trump's ridiculous new immigration plan. And much like – his budget that he pushed recently and a lot of the a lot of the administration changes that have have taken place under the the Trump presidency and the Trump the Trump administration a lot of it has essentially circumvented congress in certain ways and he's really taken hold of his use of executive power right and to date we have not seen an a realistic effort come out of Congress to try to check the power of the executive. Right. And this is, again, probably why the every headline that you read is Trump does this, Trump does this, Trump's administration does this, but it's got his name branded on every single headline because it's all stemming from the executive branch and it's working its way down through Congress. And some of the most off-the-wall insane shit Mitch McConnell's like, yeah, sure, we'll look at that, and and thank God it never really gets done, <clears throat> and hopefully this immigration plan goes with it. But it's it's this dictating policy through the exec- executive branch, which I have a serious problem with, and I'm getting 
I understand that in a on a political lens, right? The the modern day office of the presidency is an extension. It's ideally an extension of the party's ideals who are in power. Okay, and so you can expect in today's world the president to more or less act within the confines of the general narrative of the party that they're attached to. Now, Trump kind of throws a wrench into this thing because he's kind of all fucking over the place. And I mean, he's barely a Republican. He's certainly not a conservative. I'll tell you that much. But this, are we ever going to get away from this, you know, party figurehead as the president? Or would you even agree with that statement whatsoever first? Um, I think that that's tough, right? Because Trump's popularity within his own party has kind of shifted, right? Like in the beginning, he was he was really unpopular. When he first said that he was going to run, nobody wanted him there. No. And now you have Lindsey Graham, who's like sucking his dick, you know, who was calling uh, him a, like an, a dumbass and all the whatever yeah. before, who now is is slobbering all over him. So there's there's a there's a movement there, and you could argue that that's tax cuts that it's whatever you know there's any number of things that that could be that that makes them lead that way whether it's him him pushing through with the wall or or what the fuck ever you know um i think john mccain dying really broke him i think that because he's had a a massive shift right in his public persona as soon as mccain died well there's no one there to hold him accountable like there was before, you know, yeah. like because he's he's President Trump isn't going around, even though he has, he's not once, which I actually have here. Thank God, because I've been waiting for, you know, weeks to be able to fucking talk about this. Right. Um, that President Trump, even after McCain died. Right. He said, and this is a quote straight from the president. He said, I've never liked him much. He hasn't been for me. Probably never will. Right. And I, I, I it's it's stuff like that that I think is. Shocking that we allow this president to say because yeah. if it was if it was Barack Obama saying shit like that, there is no way that it would oh, just dude. go riots by, in the streets. Right? So, so there's no one there to hold him accountable anymore, to hold Lindsey Graham accountable like like John McCain was, mm-hmm. right? And it's it's sad, yeah. And I mean, it, and the farther the farther that the Democratic Party pushes itself, even. Even if they don't really believe it, right? Because we talked about that like a week or two ago, that there are some people who really believe it. But there are a lot of people who are running for president that are are running on these ideals. But when they're being asked about it, they are giving fluid enough answers to give themselves the leverage that if they are president, they can take a step back into into moderate 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 moderation or, yes thank you fuck that's i'm like that's not right like i know that's not it but if i say it i might get myself there yep. so um so yeah so they're answering questions in an ambiguous enough way that they can take a step back if they are to become president into moderation and because that's what they know really needs to be done you know but the but the vocal minority is so far left is so progressive that they have to appeal to this to make sure that they can get that push into the presidency without that vocal minority they're not making it into into the white house mm-hmm. you know they need that so but they have to answer it because I, I told you when when Jordan and I were watching Kamala Harris, right? Mm-hmm. 
And I was telling Jordan that answer to me is bullshit because it's, it's nonsense. She's sitting on the fence so that she doesn't have to answer that question. She doesn't want to just answer it and say how she feels because she wants to just appeal to everybody, which I understand is how you play the game, you know, but it doesn't make me want to vote for you. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> it makes me see through what you're doing and that makes me not like you. And that makes a lot of people not like you. Mm hmm. But there's even more people like my wife, and this is nothing against her, but there's even more people who are saying, well, I don't see it as her being uncommitted in a bad way. It's her saying that she's open to all options. You know, I don't see it that way. I see it as a backhanded fucking political game, you yes. know, but I'm exposing myself to way more shit than yeah. Jordan is. And that's again, that's because we're so deeply plugged. Right, in right. And I'm sure that part of that is just pessimism towards a lot of these people involved in politics, you know, yeah. that maybe she doesn't have because she's not as jaded because she's not as exposed. Yeah, right? right. So it's not by any means a slight against her or a diss yeah. that she's not doing that. But it's like when somebody, you know, kind of tells me, it's like, Oh yeah, I don't, I don't really, you know, I don't, I don't like to talk about politics. I just, and I say, you know what? Good for you, man. It's really not everybody's cup of tea. Right. If you don't want in on this conversation, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to because to really be involved in that conversation, like you need to be fully invested because it takes so goddamn much effort to just to stay partially informed. I wouldn't wish that on a lot of people. It takes a lot of time. And if you're not into it, man, it would be a nightmare. Right. Because it, I mean, it's a nightmare for me sometimes because it, the, the stupidity of it all is just out of this world and, and stuff like, her sitting and wavering on a what you would think is a simple question. And just, I don't want the right answer. I just want to know what you think. Right. I just want to know what your answer is. Because you don't have to have the solution, right? Like that's, we. I don't expect anybody to have the solution to the problem. I expect you to have an answer to what you think might work, you know? And I expect you to say, this is, over the time that I've thought about and the people I've spoken to, this is what I think might be best. But I am going to surround myself with people who have slightly differing opinions so we can work our way to the best possible solution of what we're going to do. Yeah. Why the fuck can't you say that? Like, why can you not say that? Because that's... Is that not what you should want around you? Is people who, in general, right, on the whole, they're down with what you're doing because that's why they're there. They're down to fucking ride with you. But they also have some things they don't agree with you on. So when you approach them, you want to have an economic advisor that's like, I want America to be doing good shit. But also, I think this, you know, mm-hmm. they have a little bit different idea than you do. So that's going to help you guys have a better conversation to figure out the best way to do it. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, we should we should be solving these these problems and all these different debates in the marketplace of ideas. And if you're just siding, if you're just riding down the middle, riding fence. You're not helping push that conversation forward right. at all. You're just you're hoping to pick up as many votes on the outsides as you possibly can if you just kind of ride that middle. Contention of ideas without argument, I feel, is is one of the best ways to actual ideological progression. You know? Like that's that's the way to do it. You have to have someone there who has semi-conflicting ideas to be able to understand the flaws in your argument to to either see that maybe you're wrong or that they're wrong or are they you know to what i'm saying to, yeah. to strengthen it like you you have to have someone on the opposite side yeah. and that's and the beautiful thing is 
if you sit down and have that one-on-one conversation with somebody with an opposite ideal about something, by the end of the conversation, if you don't both agree on where to end, that is not a failed conversation. If you have picked up knowledge and understanding from a perspective that you did not understand before, and you can at least understand that type of perspective, you have done yourself a greater good to the whole because now you have a better basis of knowledge to form your own opinions off of. And that's, that's where, that's where the fundamental flaw is right now is we do not have the recipe for civil discourse anymore. It's, I'm on my side, you're on your side, and we have warring, conflicting ideals. And because you don't agree with me, you're an evil person, and you're just trying to do bad things. You're assuming malice on all fronts, and you're right, they're wrong. Right. And that is no basis to have any kind of conversation off of with anybody. I mean, you don't do that type of shit to your your spouse or your your significant other back at home. That's certainly that relationship no. is not going to last. No, no. Why would it last in the public if it doesn't work on a one to one level? Then it's not going to work on the whole. It you just s- does not make sense. You certainly shouldn't assume that. You shouldn't assume instantly that someone is acting in bad faith if they haven't provided you with evidence that they're doing so. Mm. You know, there's a lot of different things. There's a lot of times where. Let's take the president, for example, where you can assume that he's lying because he lies all the time. You know, yep. something that he says sounds inflated. Check it out because it probably is. You know, if you're like, that sounds like it might be a, like an extreme statistic. You know, that's you should check it out because it it probably is like there's a good chance that it's not exactly correct. Mm-hmm. So especially if it comes out of his mouth. Right, but most people, you know, if you meet somebody and because it happens all the time that that mm-hmm. someone says something in a store and people start having a conversation and they don't agree about something, somebody gets pissed off whatever and they walk away, you know. There's no reason to assume that that person is acting in malice, you know. And you've, you we you talked about this yeah. like a Handling's couple weeks razor. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained uh, by ignorance. And I, and I was telling Carolina before we started recording that I think that that's one of the problems with like the debate around abortion, you know, that, yeah. that there is either a willing, uh, a, a choice not to understand or a true misunderstanding of what the real argument is on either side of the debate. Yeah. You know, um, and I so think we'll get into that when we talk the abortion bills because I think we have some good, Without well, going into the, the moral and ethical implications of abortion, we'll save that for another day. Just around the bills in general, <laughs> I think there's good discussion to be had there. Just well, on I the, thought that was a, a pretty nice yeah. segue that I had set us up with. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just pissing all over your <laughs> segue. <laughs> it's like, before we do that, your segue is garbage. <laughs> oh, um, no, we could totally do that, though. So, that's... Uh, uh, Man, we were both sniffly today. Yeah, yeah. It's the allergies, um, bro. I'm really sorry about that, everybody. Um, so there have been a growing number of bills introduced throughout the United States that ban abortion in different ways and at different times, mm-hmm. right? So as of now, there are 
eight states this year that have passed laws to restrict abortion in one form or another. Uh, Georgia, Kentucky, Missouri, Mississippi, and Ohio have all done what are being called the heartbeat bills, um, which restrict abortion to when a fetal heartbeat can be uh, detected, which is between six and eight weeks, which is, I'm sure most people know this, but it's before most women even know that they're pregnant. And even yeah. if you didn't know that before, that's, this has been discussed so heavily that mm-hmm. that's uh, a phrase I'm sure most people know by now. It's the general um, consensus. Right. I mean, um, even the, oh crap, I can't remember her name now, that, that newer person on the uh, commentary so magazine podcast. Um, yeah. But I can't remember her name. Whatever but, it is. Christine know, something. Yeah, and she brought that up. She goes, I mean, that's it's ridiculous. That's before most women even know that they're pregnant. Right. You know, especially a first-time mother will say right, that. Right, right. You know, a, a seasoned veteran mom of a couple kids is even just one kid is probably going to have some kind of instinctive I remember what this is. Yeah, you'll know what you experienced the first time around. You know, yeah. Jordan knew that she was pregnant like incredibly early. Like well, that's because your wife is incredibly just, intuitive. Yeah. Um she knew like she just felt weird for like two weeks almost before she took a pregnancy test, you mm. know. So she And that's always the word I hear is I just right. felt weird. Yeah. Something's different. Right. Um and then Utah and Arkansas have have bills that restricted to the middle of the second trimester. And we actually talked about an Arkansas bill a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually finished that podcast on your couch inside. Oh, uh, is that the one? <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, yes. And funny. Arkansas, so Arkansas's bill limited people, doctors who could perform abortions said that they needed to have admitting privileges in a hospital, I think within like 30 miles of Mm. that clinic. Sounds about right. And there was like very few doctors that were able to meet those requirements that were able to receive admitting privileges from a hospital. Mm. And so it limited to either two or three clinics that are on like opposite sides of the state that people are able to go and get abortions. Yeah. From. I think we actually like pulled up the Google map and it was right. like, you could not have more polar opposite corners in the state. I believe there's also like a 24 hour waiting period. And so if you live four or five hours away from that, from that uh, clinic, you know, you have to either drive there and then pay to stay in that area overnight so you can go back the next day or you maybe it's three days. I I don't want to misquote it. I don't. So, you know, we can go back or you can go back and listen to that episode. I'll, I'll get I'll, I'll mm-hmm. I will link back to that episode as well. But it's either like a one day or a three day waiting period, you know, so you, different states have different ones. Too. Right. Right. And so but either way, there's a waiting period. So you either have to drive back home five hours and then a few days later or the next day, drive another five hours up there and then another five hours back, you know, mm-hmm. or pay to stay up there. That I mean, it's, yeah, you know, that's that's. That I feel, um, under the, the guise of, of Planned Parenthood versus Casey, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think that is an undue burden on women that live too, that far away from those clinics. Oh, you, you think? Know? A little bit. Um, yeah. yeah. I think that, that would fit underneath, uh, that, that statute there. This whole, this whole bill wave. Yes. I mean, I think at this point you could safely call it a wave of states that are passing these bills. Yes. Um, has made me look into Washington state laws on abortion. And I was, I don't know if I was surprised or not, but I guess I just was completely ignorant on what our state laws were when it comes to abortion. We're Washington state is actually probably one of the most 
I'm going to use this word strictly in its, you know, dictionarial definition, but a very liberal state when it comes to abortion laws. Yes. You know, it it's, seems to be very, very open. Um, Washington is very forward in women's rights, I feel, in, in all aspects. Um, I mean, even when it comes to children, that there are, have to be extenuating circumstances for the father of children to be granted custody over the mother mm-hmm. um that there are a lot of circumstances that are like that in washington would yeah. that be whether that be the correct choice or the not correct choice that's that's how it is you know yeah. and at washington state case. um if you are a minor you do not need parental permission really if you are an undocumented immigrant you can have this done of course and if you are low income you can get help from the state to pay for the the procedure. And that's important, right? Because no federal dollars are allowed to be allocated towards abortion services, correct? Yes. Because abortion, it's very important. Let that be known because people talk about that. I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, that no, gets no. talked about all the time and misinformed and spread around that, oh, well, you know, the government has money that goes to Planned Parenthood and Planned Parenthood does abortions and blah, blah, blah. That, however you want to argue it, that money is not allocated towards abortion because federal money is not allowed to be allocated yeah. towards abortions. So that is state money. Whether or not you agree with it, this is the state that we live in. It's a, it's a, it's been handled through the state, not through the federal government. Which right. is, I think, where if you need to handle this, yes, I forget we didn't even hit actually on the the big Alabama law yet, but we'll, we'll oh, get there. Right. Um, but if you are in a, I forgot the point I was going to make. Crap. Um, we'll just go with this one. If we have to legislate abortion, yes. If we have to do that. I do not want it to exceed the state level. No. I really don't want to do this. And this is part of the what the Arkansas law, Arkansas-Alabama law, um, that we're going to talk about in a minute, kind of is is really bothersome to me because it's, it's a push to ensconce something on a national level, which I don't want any part of. Right. Just why would we think that – Especially with the topic of abortion, where it is so subjective and so, uh, I mean, it's so small. The the communities that support it, support it. And the communities that don't, don't. So tight and and so personal. You should handle that on the smallest level possible. And at this point, abortion laws are written only at the state level. We have federal... Protections. Protections, thanks to the two cases of the Supreme Court, Roe v. Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood. But those are very – I'm not a legal scholar. But when I listen to people who are legal scholars talk about these things, and I kind of read through some of the opinions myself, it kind of – it's almost as if it's not actually about abortion itself. It's about the right to, to kind of – for like lack pri- of a better term, privacy and personal choice. Yes, you know, you know, it, because it's all about, like you said, it's private, right? And I think it should be private because, frankly, I don't want to know about it <clears throat> unless I have a need, a direct need it's, to be involved in none of about our it. business. No, you know? I don't give a shit what you do. So all of this, not all of this, but this renewed. I'm so sorry, everybody. This renewed attention to the abortion debate comes from an Alabama bill that was passed recently 
Signed into that, law, too. Signed into law, yes, uh, by the governor, who who is a woman. I yep. feel it is important to note. Um, I, no, I'll finish this, and then I will make that <laughs> side note. Um, was signed into law that bans abortion in in all aspects, right? Yep. Um, and punishes doctors who perform them not women but doctors who perform them to up to 99 years in prison there is no exemption for rape or for incest which was highly contest contested throughout the state before the bill was passed split the um, republicans in their state house yes as well. highly contested um and then was was signed into law by the governor yes so there is one exemption in that in that bill, serious that is, like extreme risk to the mother or child, right? Yeah, is that what, yeah. And usually that, along with the rape and incest clause, are kind of always generally included right. because that at least quiets some of the 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 hardcore, the the hardest to or the the easiest to convince. We'll say that's the easiest to get on board with. Right, some of those right. Things. Because that seems to me like fairly common sense things, but that's yeah. that is you know. <laughs> That's again a subjective mm-hmm. thing, but um, but there's a reason why that clause was not put in in this bill. Yes. in this case. But before we do that, I wanna okay. I wanna ask you about something, right? Because I noted importantly and intently that the governor of Alabama is a woman who mm-hmm. signed this bill into law, and I believe the woman who either wrote or introduced this bill was a woman, um, I believe. Um, and so I saw something on the internet earlier this week that was like a, a meme for lack of a better term. That was a picture of the governor of Alabama that was saying like, you know, everyone's talking about the patriarchy, trying to like keep down women, and, like you know, the patriarchy has many faces, and like the patriarchy isn't just men, you know, and like saying that that this woman, the governor of Alabama, is part of the patriarchy that is trying to keep women down, and I'm not trying to be condescending or anything. I truly don't understand how. The governor, the top executive of Alabama is part of a patriarchal scheme to remove women's rights. Like, I, I truly don't understand that argument. That's um, because there's nothing to understand. Because that to me, if you're saying that, then that removes her. What? What is what's the governor's name? Do you? I'm sorry. I don't have it written down or, or uh, K. Ivy. Yes. So governor K. Ivy. That argument that she's part of the patriarchy that's trying to remove women's rights completely removes her ability or even credit for any independent thought by any means, mm-hmm. you know, and that is counter to any argument that would be in favor of women's rights like across the board. So I don't, I don't understand truly. I truly like I don't mean to be condescending or or inside anything. I truly don't understand that argument, you know. And I, I think that's due to the fact that somebody who – when you hear somebody talk about the patriarchy, that's usually your, your your clue to go ahead and just tune the fuck out because they obviously have no objective basis for their reasoning if they're going to rely on the, the intersectional entity that has created this concept of the patriarchy yeah. running the world. 
And I think once you step into that realm, there's no having a legitimate conversation with someone unless they can step away from that. I mean, you, by by calling her out as part of the patriarchy, you're now removing every bit of intersectional cred that she would have had by becoming a the top executive for an entire state who runs an entire state. Right. As a female, as a woman, you just now... You're trying to pull that away from her just because she's signing on to something that she believes in and that you she, don't? She didn't hustle to get there. She just she's, she sold out and bought into the patriarchy so that they yep. put her there so that she could do stuff like this, you know? And that's... What the fuck? It's nonsensical. That's crazy. I don't like... That's... I don't know. There's like, a lot more validity to the argument that if she wasn't involved and in this was just like a... You know, a congressional thing, right. and it never had to go to there because of the the thirteen, you know, male lawmakers that had kind of pushed this bill into to actually being able to happen. And it's all, you know, it's the thirteen white men who voted on this thing, and they have no say in what right. should happen. And, and you know, that's a totally different conversation, right? And but I mean, because to try the- to remove that from a from a a sitting governor is just. It's intersectional nonsense is what it is. And if you I don't agree with it, don't agree with it. That's fine. Call her out for a, a legitimate grievance you have with right. her. You disagree with this bill. But don't say that she's a fucking shill for the patriarchy no. because you don't like what she's doing, you know? So, And I think that that's an example of what we were talking about earlier, of an unwillingness to understand the true argument at the base of this, right? Mm-hmm. So whether you agree with it or not, right, the argument behind the Alabama bill is that life begins at conception. And behind, and, and subsequently, abortion would be murder at any stage after the egg has been fertilized, mm-hmm. regardless of what your opinion is. I'm not telling you that that's my opinion or Colin's opinion, but that's the argument at the base of this bill. The intent of the bill, right, and the intent of the timing right now of all of these bills is to try, not try, because the people who are putting these bills up and who are arguing for them, believe that now may be the time that they can try and flip over Roe v. Wade because of the justices that are on the Supreme Court. There are arguments all over the place from the ones that I've heard mostly against it that that is not likely for any of these bills that are on the table right now, especially the Alabama bill. But that is the intent. I There was a great interview by the lawyer who helped champion this, right, yeah. on the Daily this week, and he said, my job is to try and take this to the Supreme Court to take it to Roe v. Wade and help get that overturned. Like that, that is what my job is, yeah. is to press this to that length. You know, that's the intent. The intent is not to, I don't know. Like the intent is not to take women's rights away. It is because whether you believe they believe it or not, these people are saying that they truly believe that that life inside that woman needs to be protected, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm not, fuck, I hate that I have to be so clear about this, but I am not providing validity to that argument. I am explaining it because I feel that it is vital for everyone in this nation to understand what the people on the other side of your argument truly believe, mm-hmm. right? The other side of it is that that devalues the woman who is carrying that child to say that that cluster of cells deserves more or even the same legal rights as that woman carrying it, right? And that 
man, that there's a whole slew of things that it's on them and they have to take care of it and all kinds of shit. But it's yeah, we'll say that you know what I'm saying. Part of the bait till <clears throat> till the next time we talk about that, right? But, but I think it's important to understand the, the argument behind it, right? And and I that's, would, that's yeah. really what my point is. And I would go farther to say that I think part of the reason we have such an emotional problem with everything going on here and there, the, the two sides are so drastically opposed is because we have failed to, to find a, it's like, did you ever listen to the original Sam Harris interview with JBP? Uh, yes. Okay. And so they spent three hours arguing about the basis of truth, right? And they were unable to take the next step in and actually get into a debate about what they were going to talk about because they could not agree on what truth was. Yeah. And I think we have the same fundamental problem in the overall abortion debate, which is what we use to judge legislation off of. We do not have – we nobody has the same exact fundamental basis on what we're talking about, right? Everybody has a different subjective take on right. – on all manner of portions of this debate, because the abortion debate has multiple fronts, right? Multiple fronts. But that that initial basis of whether or not this fertilized egg deserves the same human rights as the woman that is burying it, or carrying all of oh, people. I, mean, it. I thought you oh, said yeah, I it. thought you, I thought you said burying it. So I was going to correct you to say carrying. Carrying, not I, burying. Because I thought you said burying, but you said it has got a little mush mouth going on. But, I thought you, but you said burying. <laughs> I gotcha. Burying that child. Yeah. And, but without an actual, if we don't all, if we can't all start at the same place, how can we try to carry on a debate further? You can't even have a conversation about it, yeah. You can't. And, it, and that is the most frustrating part about me. So we need to tackle that far part first before we can actually go anywhere with this. But I think even listening to the most conservative political commentator, social commentator that I can possibly think of that is ob- objective enough to at least take his take seriously is Ben Shapiro. Right? Yeah. Um, and even he – even he, when when it, we're looking about the the le- legality and the constitutional battle that will ensue over a, specifically the Alabama bill, he doesn't think it's going to pass the spring. You know, he's he doesn't think in the way the court is designed right now, the way the argument is being framed, that they will have a chance to even maybe not even get it to the Supreme Court before right. it gets knocked down, and so. For everybody that is freaking out about this whole thing, I don't – just listening to the people that understand the legality of it much better than I do, don't think that even <laughs> with the current Supreme Court makeup, it has a chance to even get that way. And even if it does, that it will not pass through the Supreme Court and become you know precedent. And while this bill is being uh, appealed – it, it 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 does not go into effect. So yes. it it is highly unlikely that this bill will ever truly go into effect because I'm fairly certain that appeals have already been filed for this bill. So it 
it will not go into effect. I think it's safe to say that the appeal documents were written up before it got to the uh, the governor's desk. Yeah. I think it's pretty safe to say that these these kind of because you think the life of a bill is a, it's a relatively long life. It starts in you know somebody's got to draft it first right. of all. So there's people that are working around it drafting it, then it gets put up through the houses of Congress. And it's debated on and talked about and changed, and that takes a long time. So people have had a long time to prepare the counter-argument for this thing. Right. And so I don't have the exact, you know, a date on when they did file an appeal, but I think it's pretty safe to say that it was ready to go ASAP. Right. And a ruling against one of these bills would set a precedent for the other ones to then be ruled against, and so they also would not be implemented um, I mean, they're, like I said, they have been signed or some of them have been signed. Some are kind of in the process and they're, you know, in mm-hmm. various stages, but um, they are in the works in those states. But it is, I feel, safe to say that they will not actually be enforced. Yeah. Um, I think it's a pretty safe bet that we don't have to necessarily worry about that at that point. But we will have point. we have a deeper kind of like more personal cover. I mean, not like, like personal experience conversation, but like a little more personal conversation about that next week and probably in the coming weeks with, yeah. with Haley, who actually messaged me while we were here. So she's down Woo-hoo. for next week. So beautiful. Um, so Haley will be here next week and then we will have Morgan in a couple weeks after that. That would be nice. We are taking the first weekend of June off. See, si, senor. Um, we are doing some stuff. Offie's going to go on a little fish trip. Yeah, um, and I got vacation coming up, bro. I'm gonna hang out with my cousin Tatiana and mm. do some other stuff. It's gonna be sweet, fantastic. It's gonna be great. So, so there was one other point that I wanted to kind of talk about when it comes. What to the hell do you want? This Alabama bill, the abortion bill. What you got? Yep. Now it's just <laughs> eluding my mind. This has been really bad today. I keep getting these great talking points, and then within five minutes, I'm like, oh, crap, what was that? You need to take some fish oil, man. I do, you know? I need to start eating them fish eggs, probably. Um, but it had to do with the... My baby sounds like he's talking already. It's kind of weird. Your baby's a fucking genius, if you didn't know that. Well, and I remember Rhonda Patrick, when I she was talking about it, she said, she said, I know that he's only, you know, four or five months older, so I know that he's not actually talking. But the noises that he's making sound like he's talking, you know? And that's what Dax is doing. He's making noises that sound like he's trying to imitate the words that we're saying. And I'm like, yeah, that's what's up. Maybe I'm just, you know, a very optimistic parent who's like, my fucking kid's a genius. But I know that Rhonda Patrick ate a bunch of fish eggs. And I know that my wife ate a bunch of fish eggs. And our kids are doing the same shit. And I'm like, he's a genius. He's He's doing shit that... Four-month-old babies should not be doing because he's not even four months old yet. You know, mm-hmm. he was rolling over like a whole month early. He's holding his head up like crazy. He's he's doing all kinds of shit. He's, he's awesome. Yeah, that's it has it's genetics and uh, good prenatal care. He rolled over back to belly last night all by himself. Ooh, yeah. Dog. Jordan says she's not counting it because he was wrapped up, so he didn't use his arms. Um, but I like a half point. You know. I'd give him two points. He doesn't his, have any leverage to roll. He's just his, like inner. His move, arms is move. what is what gets in the way. Like yeah. he gets to here, and then he's like, "That's it. That's all I got." Because his it. arm is in the way. So, but I don't know. So I'll, I'll give him a half point. But half that's point. The there point. you go. Do you do you remember the point you were going to make about Alabama? No, I think it's it, it's probably more to do with the uh, the more fundamental debate around abortion. Yeah. So we'll we'll save it for for next time. We actually have that 
the actual abortion kind of talk. Well, I don't, why I don't think it's going to be a debate. I, I want to make no, sure. No, no, I don't that. think so. I'm, we're just kind of more interested in getting. More I want to get more people's opinions, and I want to try and have this show. We it's the everyday normal person's podcast. I want yep. to try and have more regular people in here just fucking people that we know yeah. or that we meet you know that we have come in here and do this there's a dude at a weed store that i go to i'm gonna ask this motherfucker to be on the podcast because i think he's really interesting he told me that him and his wife are having conversations all the time dude he works with there's having a conversation all the time i've been hitting out business cards to him yeah make sure he puts the podcast on on the speakers in the store i told you <laughs> that i gave some business cards to the women who worked at the front desk of the of mm-hmm. the sheriff's office. She seemed super interested, especially when I told her that it wasn't like we try not to lean either way. You know, it's like yeah. our, our whole idea is to just deliver the information and like you get our opinion because we're talking about it, but the idea is to deliver all of the information as the facts so you can do it yourself, mm-hmm. you know. But obviously, because it's two and a half hours, the idea is to get a conversation about it, you know. She was like, Oh, yeah, I really like that. And I was like, So here you go. So here you go. Here you go. Tell your friends. Yep. So <laughs> that's right. Tell your friends. And we also want to know what you guys want to know you know or we want to know what you guys have to say so Mm -hmm. whatever you think about this let us know if you're interested in talking to us if being on the podcast let us know reach out to us you know if you're local something in particular you want to discuss let us know we'll do the we'll do the legwork and we'll we'll have that conversation we do that that's what we do is we try to further conversation that's part of bridging the gap between people and information so let's why don't we talk about Oh I remembered. Yes. My Stefan Molyneux tweet. Oh, yes. So if you guys don't know who Stefan Molyneux is, he's kind of more of a I don't know he's lumped in with the alt right crowd, I'll say that. But I don't know if it's a hundred percent a given, right? But for the most part, whether you like what he says or not, he does tend to say he tends to think through what he says, right? And I noticed the other day, he's trying to say, hey, this is what's really happening around this abortion debate, right? Yeah. So so this is what's really happening. One, abortion restrictions make casual sex more risky. Two, the this raises the value of monogamy. Three, monogamy raises the value of good women. Four, lazy women lose the value of providing casual sex. And five, men have less access to casual sex. And he says, it's all about cheap lace. And the only thing, the immediate response I had was, if this is all about casual sex, you're completely negating the concept of birth control and condoms and all the other various of any kind. Yeah. You add an ounce of contraception to your statement and it completely tumbles. And I was just... A, a quote-unquote thinker with a pretty large following, regardless of who they are, is putting out something that is 110% completely disingenuous and uh, full of it, shit. Because, again, I don't think that – I don't think that abortion is, is most women's first line of defense against unwanted pregnancy. I don't think so. I think so. that most women who are going to have sex with people in any type of way that they're anticipating are probably – Using some form of contraception and probably less men, but a lot of men are, you know, because I feel that it's probably safe to say a lot of men are a little less responsible or willing to be less responsible in that manner because they are generally less obligated to 
to deal with said repercussions of what can happen, right? And I mean, Um, and to assume that an abortion is a woman's first line against pregnancy is completely ignorant. Yeah. To even try to think. it's It just seems so ridiculous to assume that. Especially because the same place that you would go to legally obtain an abortion, they will give you free condoms there. And they'll talk to you about birth control. And you can probably get birth control there, you know? Because yeah, so- newsflash, Planned Parenthood is not <laughs> an abortion clinic. No. they Some Planned Par- Parenthoods provide that as a service but they are a i mean you can go there they're for prenatal women's care health and, service exactly and that's what their main goal is and that's why when we we talked earlier about the people that you know say remove the funding from planned parenthood and say, right do you realize what you're ask, actually trying to do there you're trying to remove a shit ton of health services for mostly underprivileged you know low-income people there's a Dave Rubin episode that I listened to a few weeks ago that really irritated the fuck out of me and disappointed me and Dave Rubin um, that I would like you to listen to Who was in he? preparation. I do not remember her name, but she was a pro-life one, and that's what they talked about the mm. whole time. And it was one of the worst interviews I've ever heard Dave Rubin do, and I was really disappointed. And so I'd like you to listen to it before next week so we can discuss it. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've fallen off the Rubin wa- wagon lately. I don't listen to it much because there's a lot of other shit that I feel like I should be listening to. But yeah. the hierarchy like- of what you have to get to. Every now and again, he'll have one that pops atop my list, but for yeah. the most part, it's, eh, it's he's getting kind of down there. But not to say that the quality overall isn't fantastic. No, no, it was just this one that I because yeah. I've never walked away being like, wow, that was really a shit interview that he just did. But it was only that one Except that for I the, the Blair White Candace. Yeah, ones. yeah, but that was by no fault of his own. But it was, <laughs> was it was this it was this interview that I really felt like he just did not do a good job at like holding this woman to her shit. So I'll have to go back and find out what episode it was because it was a while ago speaking of podcasts Um, have you um given a chance to the 538 no i forgot all about that but i'll subscribe to it right now before i've been very happy with what they've presented man i've heard some some lefty stuff come out of there and i've heard some very kind of anti-lefty stuff come out of there and it really threw me for a loop and i was they scored a lot of points with me when i heard that not that my opinion matters to them because I'm only one person. Yeah. For now. <laughs> I can be multiple people. For now. That's right. Uh, let's see. James O'Keefe. Oh, God. He had James O'Keefe on. Rob so, Smith. No, um, Mike Cernovich. <clears throat> Society. Nicholas. Lauren I'd, Chen. I don't remember whether or not I said this already. Allie Stuckey. Um, Allie Stuckey. Was that the one? I don't know. I have okay. to go back we'll to and find see it. if I... Because I just have to go back and see which one says played next to it. Because I remember Ali Stuckey's episode was a rather pro-life interview. And it was extremely underwhel- underwhelming. Yeah, and that may have been it. Um, but we can find it. It was Lilla Rose. Oh, Lilla Rose. Oh, yeah, I haven't heard that one. Yeah, it was bad. Um, I just really felt like, like I said, he did not do a good job at yeah. at just keeping her 
honest. Ooh. Um, so why don't we why don't we talk about trade in China next week? Um, okay. In the interest of time, we talk, we can talk Trump immigration so that we can try and talk a little bit of Game of Thrones. And then I have a sports story I want to hit with you um, because I think that it plays into geopolitics. Mm. Um, and then we can get the fuck out of here. Wordism. So it was earlier this week, or it was like Thursday or Wednesday, um, that President Trump held a press conference in the Rose Garden to announce a new immigration plan that he was going to implement. Um, Can I just say that I think the history of the Trump press conferences in the Rose Garden have not generally been his strongest speeches and his strongest releases. He tends to go off the deep end. It's bad. It's really bad. He should just abstain from the Rose Garden because that's when the shit really hits the fan. So go over the gist of what he said, and then we'll talk about some specific things that I wrote down that I was like, what the fuck? Um, Okay. So the general idea of what he said is that there is going to – he wants to – there he wants oh my god he wants there to be a shift in the immigration system from the different percentages that he said that i will lay out to you to a majority points based immigration system in which different immigrant applicants are provided points that are you get more points like if you're young and if you have degrees if you're educated if you have money already um i believe if you speak english already you get more points but then if you come here you're also going to be required to speak english it's going to be a civics exam that what which what the because i guarantee if you give half if you give america a civics exam half of them will not pass oh yeah half of america does not pass a high school civics exam on how the government works i have assisted multiple people in studying for the united states citizen citizenship exam which is a hundred question possible hundred question test and that from what i hear is difficult as fuck it's if you do i i cemented a lot of my my civics my basic civic information and knowledge from being a tutor i mean what's yeah what do they say the the best way to learn is to teach right <laughs> yeah and that literally i mean it's very very true you learn that in the military and it's when it comes to some of that that base civic stuff about like what are the things that you should know as a citizen of the United States? I I would probably venture guess, guess that at least 50% of Americans would fail the yeah. shit out of that test. Yeah. And I'm talking like if we'll give you a 60% <laughs> they still would have passed. Maybe maybe even a 50% passing, you know, if if 50% was was a D minus. I don't know if you can get half the country to pass that. And I, so, but the. I wonder if we can find it online. Cause I'd like to know if I can pass it. Oh, I'm pretty sure I, I don't know if I still have it. My mother-in-law might. I'm going to look it, for it. Cause I want to know if I can pass it. And if I can, I'm going to study. Cause I should know all that shit. Oh yeah. No, it, it's a good one, man. It's a good one. A lot of it has to do with branches of government and what their powers are. And yeah, you know, it, it asks you, um, contemporary questions about who this person is, who that person is. I mean, you might have to be able to name the, Speaker of the House. Word. The current Speaker of the House. Because, I mean, when you think about it, who's in – where is the Speaker of the House in the ascension of the president? 
trace. Three. That means if the worst were to happen and, and Trump and Pence disappeared off the face of the planet, Nancy Pelosi would be president of the United president States. President Pelosi. Oh, don't say that. Yeah. You Anyways. like that? But yeah, so his his argument is essentially Points shifting. Points based. Yeah, it's a merit-based point system. And like you said, upon entry into the United States, he would like people to speak English and pass a basics a basic civics exam, which my only response to that was that is currently what you have to do to gain citizenship. Because when you take your your exam and you go in for the interview and they ask you questions, like you have to respond in English. Yeah. And that's the <laughs> way it is. And you don't have to do it in good English. You can do just enough to be able to communicate, right? And when you're a, when you're walking around in your everyday life, you're not required to use English. No. As much as it may frustrate the citizens who were born in America and speak English every day, you're not required to do that. And it doesn't. It's not your concern whether or not they're frustrated by the language that you choose to speak in America because you're a fucking grown ass adult and can do whatever you want. It's. Do I think that it's frustrating sometimes? Sure as fuck, because sometimes you know motherfuckers are talking about you because they're standing there looking at you talking shit. And you're like, well, you're an asshole. But that doesn't, you know, it just makes them an asshole. That and doesn't if you're, really like. If you're around that environment enough, maybe you should learn that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, especially in this area, and maybe you haven't experienced this, but like even just in the grocery store, you know, there's mm-hmm. some people that you don't know, but you've you come across them in the grocery store that. In my line know, of work? I run into crews all the time that do not speak a word of English. Yeah. And that's not an uncommon thing. And I am lucky enough that uh, I definitely haven't done as much as I should, but I understand most Spanish and I can at least be able to communicate with somebody if they're, if we're having a conversation. I can't, I'm definitely not fluent, but I can communicate enough to get the job done. But if you don't have that, you're just at a loss. Yeah. And then you're going to project your insufficiencies in the language department on someone else because they obviously are speaking whatever language <laughs> they want. And fucking newsflash, if you're a legal resident or a citizen of the United States, you have the right to speak whatever fucking language you want to and nobody can say dick about it. <laughs> and it, I mean, I'm sorry. I thought this was America. I thought this was America. I thought this was a free country. But – I'm not saying you should project that frustration on those people. Definitely not. But I'm saying it's reasonable. It can be. It's yes. reasonable to, in a social situation, feel as though a group of people you don't know are talking shit about you in a different language. Yes. And to be like, what the fuck? You know? Like, that sucks. Like, it's, you know, it's not going to ruin your day and you're, uh, I don't know, random. A normal yeah, right. person, a reasonable person is not going to want to do harm to those people. But it can be frustrating, you know? And when you're trying to communicate with somebody that chooses not to speak English or speaks poor English, that can be frustrating, you know? Yep. But it's... And in that case, right. I mean, understanding where you're at. Right. And if you are in a population that in no way, shape, or form is expected to speak any other language than English, like, as somebody that lives there, you should probably do your part to try to understand them. And they right. should... Your, we should all be a good community and people that interact with you on an everyday basis, if you don't speak English, should try to learn to communicate with you. It's it's all this good neighborly society you, type of stuff. If you, know? you live in Koreatown, you should you should learn a little bit of Korean. Yes. You know? Definitely. It, it would behoove you 
to speak yeah. or at least understand a little bit of Korean. Like, I could buddy off you over here with Spanish, you know? Bones keys. You know? So, when I listened to the address this morning, there was a couple of things that stood out to me, right? Some notes that I took here. He said that they want to, and this is a quote, invest in technology so we can scan 100% of vehicles at the border. Yes. Right? Two things that stuck out to me about that. Mm-hmm. That would take an insanely long fucking time to scan 100% of the vehicles at the border. But I guess his intent is also to make it yeah. ineffective, you know? Dude, I've seen those lines, man. But isn't, isn't part of the argument for the wall is that the drugs are not coming through at the borders and that they are coming through at the gaps in between the points of entry? <sighs> that is part of the answer, yes. And I think there is some. This seems to, to take away a little, a little bit. bit. It seems to take a little bit away from that. Yes. Certainly, there there are. I'm. What I'm saying is that President Trump's argument for the border wall has been: drugs are not coming through at the points of entry. They're coming through at the spaces in between the points of entry, which we know is a. Com- I mean, there but is now, a small percentage that does, but the vast majority of it does come through ports of entry, right? And that was something that he kind of got called out on on back during the last kind of immigration bill talk. And that's, and so I'm not saying that this is displaced because that's, that if we, if you can do that in an effective way, that's great. I'm not saying that that's, that's a bad thing. Let's just not have the TSA run that. That would be a shit show. (laughs) But it takes away from, takes away from the argument of for the border wall, you know? So it's, it's interesting that the two things are cont- are happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know that he's still pursuing the border wall and is looking for more money actively for the border wall, but is still like, but to keep all this drugs and shit out, we got to make sure these point entries are locked up because all the drugs and shit that's yeah. coming through the point entries. Slight shift of narrative, there, right? Huh? But don't forget about that wall because all the shit that doesn't come in through the points entries, you know. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I would venture guess that like human smuggling probably takes more. Takes place more on those, you know, non-ports of entry. And I think it would just be an easier argument to just say that you're trying to revitalize the whole thing as opposed to mm-hmm. like purposefully neglecting one by saying that that's not where it's happening yet. We need to focus on this. And then going and saying, well, now we need to focus on this. Yeah, like, it should be a bullet point just, within the greater topic, not a it, separate and issue. And it would have been easier and more broadly accepted had it been presented that way that, look, we're trying to do the whole thing. You know, we're trying yeah. to like revitalize this, all this fence and shit and also make sure that the points of entries are good so everything is safe over here because that's what that's what the real deal is, you know? That's e- that's an easier sell to everybody. Everybody. Border but, security is an easier sell than a fucking wall. Yeah. You know? But that's not that's not the gal that brought him to the presidency. And so he's riding <laughs> right. on that wall until yeah. he dies. Yeah, but now twenty twenty's coming up and he's got a He's, got he's a, safe. He's fucking safe, wiggle. man. Are you kidding me? I know. I don't mean I don't mean within I'm his so, own party, I mean in the yeah. presidency itself, you know. Yeah. But, which I mean I don't yeah, we'd save 2020 future talk for later. But Yes. He also said they're going to set up a border security trust fund that's funded by the fees at the border. And I assume that the fees at the border, does that mean the tariffs? I, mm, I mean, I don't know. Because it doesn't charge, it doesn't cost money to go across the border, right? You know, I don't know, to be honest. And I don't, I've never, I don't, I mean, not as a, not as an adult have I driven across the border to yeah. either Canada or Mexico. I've never been to Mexico, but I don't think that there's a fee just to cross the border i i don't feel like there would be that would be crazy to come back into america and live here let me see here and 
this kind of bums me out because I have I've traveled abroad more than a few times. And yeah. I'm trying to think if I went into a port of entry in another country, if I ever got charged to do that. And I do not believe so. MasterCard, cross-border fee. Well, yeah, that's a different thing. It's like you pay for a fee on your MasterCard for <clears> using <throat> it. Maybe that's something that he wants to add. I don't know. Because yeah. he didn't elaborate on that. That's just what he said. It'll be paid for by the fees at the border. And that so I don't know he just what drops that means. shit like that all the time. That's not something like I don't know what that means. Yeah. You know? So the only thing I could assume is tariffs because when I was looking at this website about like China and trade and stuff, the document, which is a great website that I'll send to you, the documents that they used to illustrate that the tariffs had been implemented was a border patrol uh, document. And so that's where the tariffs are implemented at the border where things are shipped in, you know, yeah. because that's so, so, so I, that's the only thing I could assume is, is that it would be funded through tariffs, which would just be a, like I said, a, a border security trust fund. So they always have money all mm-hmm. the time. For well, I got an NPR article here that says, uh, this is from August 20th, 2015. So new rules go into effect at busy U.S. Mexico border crossing. So this is back in 2015. So let's just, Remember that as we go forward, but as of Wednesday, whenever they put this out years ago, uh, foreign pedestrians crossing into Mexico between San Diego and Tijuana are required to present a passport, fill out paperwork, and if they are staying for longer than one one week, pay a 330 peso fee, which is about $20. <sighs> and so... Really? So and I, maybe, I wonder, I mean, that seems very specific to that crossing. Right. I, I wonder if, if there are other fees similar to that at other border crossings. You know, I wouldn't be surprised right if there points was. Of entry. That's very but interesting. I want to look into that because that is. Yeah. Seems, seems strange. Yeah. You know, especially if that's a government entity. If that was a, you know, a free market private business, I would understand that because you're having to pay for all the employees there. But if this is a government run and government funded situation, then you're assuming that it's paid for? through taxes. Right. And but the government's gonna do what they can to get their nut. I um, wouldn't be surprised. So I'll the president add that on the list. Yeah. Uh the president also spoke a lot obviously about human trafficking and in children in particular. Um but he did not mention DACA or the Dreamers at all. Mm-mm. Right. I am hard pressed to believe that he is going to get anything passed without dealing with the dreamers at all. If he's going to try and deal with immigration, because that's been the democratic argument the whole time. Yeah. He then addressed that later. Right. And he said, cause I wrote down exactly what his quote was. Um, if we can't get the Democrats on board, then we will pass it after the next election. When we take back the house, keep the Senate. And of course, keep the white house. And then he was like, drop Mike and then peaced out. <laughs> I swear to God, that's what happened. You know, I wouldn't doubt it. That's Which God. is a weird thing to say because those first two years when he had the Senate and the House, not dick got done. No. So that's very interesting. Yeah, uh, good that luck argument with that, there. DJ Trump. Um, yeah, so he didn't mention the Dreamers at all. And I'm hard-pressed to believe, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I'm or maybe even months ago, I'm hard-pressed to believe that if President Trump wins a second term, that the Republicans are going to win back the House. I'm hard-pressed to believe that that's going to be the case. Um, 
Shit. So he laid out some numbers that I wasn't able to verify before I got here, but I will try and figure out um, if they're correct. Because like I said earlier, I always want to double check any numbers that President Trump delivers. (laughs) Um, He said that 66% of the immigrants that come into America are randomly chosen through family reunification, which he calls chain migration, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, 21% are by lottery and humanitarian basis, and then 12% is based on skill or merit. And he said that he wants to go from 12% to 57%. um, And that they need to have a clear path for the top talent. And that we discriminate against genius by the way that we have our current immigration system set up and i don't want anyone to think that i'm taking what he said out of context because these are especially the way that he speaks almost completely independent statements yeah. you know like there's there's some not as much time like barack obama had long pauses so they're yeah. not as long as that you know but there's definite pause in when he speaks so they're almost independent statements yeah um, yeah no no definitely so these are true quotes and intent for this immigration system and when i was listening to this earlier this week right because he was talking about we want to take competition away from lower class people who you know where immigrants are getting those jobs and we want to we want to put the competition more up towards higher class people who have you know more education and whatever like Mm -hmm. But it seems to me, by what I heard from several farmers I heard interviewed this week, that the last thing that we need is more skilled labor in this. That's what I was looking for, high skill. Like, because we have a fuckload of people in this country who have degrees that don't have jobs in that field, Mm -hmm. that are struggling to find those jobs, right? So it seems like that's the last thing that we need is high skill, like an excessive amount of high skilled labor coming into this country to compete with the people who already have degrees. It seems like we need... Especially if you're like an immigration hawk and you're you're concerned with, you know, quote, America first. Right. How are you doing anything but a detriment to those specific people at the upper echelons who are going to eight years of college and then right. trying to find a job in an already extremely competitive market by now. Right. And I mean, I get it. You shouldn't, if somebody wants to come into the country, let them come to the country and we'll figure out it's up to them to do what they want to do and get themselves in a position where they want to get. But when we, you know, Trump likes to talk about job numbers all the time. Right. right? And that, that unemployment rate, which is at, I mean, record lows. Right. I, if I understand this correctly, the majority of those unfilled jobs are like certain unskilled labor positions that mm-hmm. people just don't want to do. Well, and it seems like, especially at a time where the trade war and tariffs are harming farmers more than anybody yeah. else, right? Because last year when they passed the Farm Bill, I that didn't even cover, from what I understand, the losses that the farmers experienced because of the tariffs, right? Yeah, all of separate issue. Right. And so it seems like in a time where that's going on, well, there's a serious argument that unskilled labor at a low cost is what we, if people being able to come here to work at a low cost and then be able to go back when the season is over, that's what we need right now for farmers to be able to get things done at a low cost, to lower their cost, to try and lower their bottom line, to try and actually make money at a time where they're being harmed by the policies that are being set up by the executive. Oh, yeah. You know? <clears throat> and the entire agricultural industry is so... 
what's the word I'm looking for? Regulated and regimented by the federal government that, I mean, there's cases where farmers growing, say, wheat will have hundreds of thousands of bushels of wheat that never makes it to market because the federal government says that's, you know, that's too much. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to implement a surplus into the market and then you're going to cause economic havoc. It's going to throw the whole system off. And so that's right. We're going to give you subsidy for that so that you don't actually have to sell that and throw off the entire economy. Right. But that wasn't even enough last year. It was billions of dollars last year and that wasn't enough to subsidize. So they're going to have to provide even further subsidies to those farmers, more money from the government to subsidize the farmers because of the tariffs that the president is laying out. Yeah. And I think that'll come up more in the, in our uh, trade talk, yeah, our trade war talk next next week, and it doesn't help them. I think I wrote this particular thing down when we talked about Kirsten Nielsen, but there seems to be a huge divide among the executive administration about what to do with administration or mm-hmm. with with immigration. You know, yeah. there are uh, there's the president who I don't want to say hard line because he's not at a point of close the borders. He said that he doesn't want to lower the amount of immigrants coming into America. He just wants to change the criteria that's coming in. Right. Yeah. And I so, think that's it is important to note that his right. plan, if you want to call it that, calls for keeping the the current number of immigrants static. So it will not change. It's yeah. just the percentages on those different categories you laid out will and change. What, he called it something because they're here. He said they want to change the green card to a visa. That's the Build America visa. That's what it's going to be called. So you don't get a green card anymore. It's going to be a Build America visa that you get to come here and then on a pathway to citizenship in five. That years. essentially does the same exact thing as a green card. Yes, but it's so so he's just got something different. He's just got to throw his brand on it. Yes, much like the fucking UC USMCA. Yep. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Imagine that. Trump wants to throw his brand on it. So, like I said, there's there seems to be a divide in between the president who, like I said, is not hardline because he's he still wants people to come here. He just wants to change the criteria. But it's definitely more conservative in, in the aspects of immigration, but mm-hmm. is not to the point you have other people like Christian Nielsen, like other people in his administration that are were curbing his Psych- aggressive acts yeah, at, at the border. Yeah. You know, that are work curbing him. So there's a divide there on exactly what needs to be done. And he doesn't even know really because he talked to Lindsey Graham face to face there. He's like, you do whatever you need to do with this to, you know, not, it's not exactly what he said. I'm not trying to misquote him. I'm paraphrasing. He said, do what you need to do to get this done. But that's when he said, but if you can't get it done, you know, if the Democrats won't work with us, that's, and that's when he said all that shit about, and of course the White yeah. House, like, so. Peace. Right, right. So. <laughs> I'm gonna have to re- I'm gonna have to watch that just just for that. It was it was good. So on a on a purely political stance right here, when we're talking governmental basic civets and how it's supposed to work, uh-huh. I understand a the congressional party with you know that has a majority. So in this case, in the Senate, the Republicans, right, working with the president to make sure that whatever bill that you're going to create will not be vetoed immediately, right? Right. But other than that, the president should not be dictating to Congress policy to make. No. It should come from the Congress to the executive branch. And the whole goal is there is to hammer it out in Congress who passes the fucking law who makes the law and then gives it to the executive to sign off or veto. Mm-hmm. 
you shouldn't be waiting for your marching orders from the top down and then kind of bring that through Congress. But due to the nature of the way we've kind of gone to this more monarchical executive, you know, outlook, it, it feels at least during this Trump presidency, and I say, given the entire fact that the DACA recipients are in question, you can also nail that down to the Obama era as well. And I'm sure it goes all the way back. Executive power is one of our little pet peeves. Right. And But it it kills me that this is allowed to continue to go on. And why do why is the Congress not doing their fucking job and creating legislation? We we know there's a problem with DACA because it is technically unconstitutional for the president to just say, hey, you're all are you know, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. This is an executive order that supersedes Congress. If you don't like it, Congress do your goddamn job and pass that into law. Make that a law. It's the Democrats have a pretty powerful majority in the House. They can pass it through the House, no fucking problem. Because there's a lot of Republicans you can probably get on board. Even if people vote down party lines, you're still going to get that passed. And then you can at least say that you have done your job, you've done your due diligence, and put forth a bill to the president's desk, and he vetoed it. Now he's the problem. And you can point directly to Sam and say he is the problem here. We're doing our part. But they're not doing their part at this point. No. This entire well, and I don't... The whole burden of, of passing whatever they want onto the executive branch. Well, especially now that I don't even know that there's enough unification within the Democratic Party itself on what should be done with DACA and at the border and with the Dreamers to get everyone together enough to even pass something through the House. You know, yeah. I know there's there's two. I, I, yeah, I don't know that there's enough. So there's a lot of people who want completely open borders, you know, who yeah, want all these true. people to be able to just come here. And I mean, there's the Democratic whole, Party right. is certainly fractious. There's a um piece from this podcast that I want to play. I see that, commentary. Yeah, yeah, that I'm pretty sure this is it. I wrote it down. It was a quote from John Podhoritz that I was like just really didn't agree with. <laughs> um, and so I'm hoping no that this there. is the right one. So Let's hope. An atmosphere of law and lawlessness a supporter of Trump. On I'm so excited for this. Get that thing up to like right over here. Word. They would have a better shot if they came across to the United States. So the demonization of Trump as a as a monster on immigration is very much part of this sort of left-wing playbook. I am not a supporter of Trump on immigration, but at all. Um, and I am much more dovish about this than probably, you know, anybody else on the right, practically. But that doesn't mean that you can sustain an atmosphere of law and lawlessness at the border forever and democrats and liberals here here's what's going on there was a cry there are a hundred thousand people want asylum with the first we have what christine mentioned which is just apprehensions of people trying to run across the border right so that's one thing then you have the people who actually uh, go and are seeking actual asylum so the system is overwhelmed they don't have enough people simply to take down the information of the asylum requests and so my point really was when he's talking about the demonization of Trump being on immigration being part of the left wing playbook and that, you know, this doesn't mean that you can have lawlessness. Like there's 
that part that I was talking about of the Democratic Party that wants open borders is very small. Very small. Very, very small. They're a very loud vocal minority. To to paint the entirety of of anybody, of all liberals and all progressives as people who want lawlessness at the border, I think is more disingenuous than normal coming from the commentary podcast. Because John Bottlewurtz is not unknown to make sort of sweeping statements not totally fucking broad but just kind of Mm -hmm. general statements that i'm like well that's not necessarily true but this one i feel is a a little more than because i think when average if i'm remembering right this is that conversation they're having is harkening back to the lack of the vast lack of immigration judges on the border which is causing these 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 immigration asylum cases to be put on the back burner for years and years and years and years. Yeah. And I think that's the problem he was addressing there. But again, a blanket statement like that is about lawlessness on the border is kind of a step too far. Because no one, no one of any party wants, wants just shit going on at the border, just fucking people throwing rocks and unrest at the border. No one wants that. Like, that's not mm-hmm. the case that anybody is trying to make, you know? But there's a difference. There is a middle ground between unrest at the border and people in fucking cages in Walmarts and shit, you know? Like, there's a difference there. There's a middle yeah. ground between those two. It doesn't need to be one or the other. Yeah, and and I, I think I don't think that it's correct to yeah, I don't think it's right to paint it that way. You no, know? and I mean, I think in proper context, you could probably get to the the bottom line of what he's trying. And I to wish say. I hadn't waited so long. So I wrote this down a long time ago. So I wish that I had. I recognized so the Washington long. paper. Yeah. So I wish. <laughs> so I wish. Like this was. Um, this was. I think when Barr something like that, yeah, because this is when Barr testified because these are the four different reasons that they were going to redact things from the Mueller report. Oh, okay. so this is right before they released the Mueller report. Mm-hmm. So it's not a super long time ago, but it's a, it's a couple weeks ago, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think I one know. of the problems here is much like the the generalized abortion debate. Yeah, the the generalized immigration debate is just. You can't have a, quote, immigration debate. There are a bunch of different debates that need to be had before you can get to, you know, the immigration label is so broad. Right. And it encompasses so many different minor, or not minor, but different avenues that need to be figured out that by just labeling immigration and having that conversation in broad Mm -hmm. can lead to some pretty disingenuous talk because unless you get specifically down to the certain problem that you're trying to tackle and make that extremely clear you can come off as sounding like you're just some you're just generalizing immigration and trying to make it more simple than it is right right definitely not trying to say that that's exactly where that's where he's at in this specific conversation i'd have to go back and listen to the whole thing but he does <sighs> generally he does have that tendency he's a rather long-winded individual yeah and uh, he can get he can kind of get a little squirrely on some of the roads he goes down um so i think we're about wrapped up with that yes so i think it's game of thrones time yes sir so first off i've been hearing a lot of hate lately about the last episode of game of thrones spoilers just so everybody knows Uh, spoilers yes so uh, Carolina was obviously correct um, in what she said last week that 
Daenerys went the fuck off, right? And I, I was truly surprised. Yeah, because um, it didn't make any logical sense. No, no, at the... But she was obviously, like, not sleeping, you know, and was was losing it. Um, yeah. But, I, yeah, no, I thought that the complete destruction of, well, like, at least half the city was really pretty fucking wild. Yeah. Um, my favorite part as weird as this might be was finally getting to see the mountain underneath his helmet because yeah. you've just seen him behind just his eyes for so long that i wanted to see how nasty his fucking skin looked and it was so pretty I, gnarly oh it was disgusting yep. so i was really happy to see that and i listened to like at the end there was like 20 minutes of producers and shit talking mm-hmm. about the episode you know and i thought that it was cool that they talked about that they were fighting on a staircase to nowhere you yes. Know, like, no matter what, this isn't going to go anywhere. This is a completely pointless fight because you're both going to die no matter what happens. So, yep. like, that's wild. Like, I didn't pick up on that during the episode. Obviously knew that they were going to die in fire somehow because the hound has to die in fire. Like, he yeah. has to, you know? But... But I thought the staircase to nowhere was like a really cool, was that a metaphor? Yeah. I thought that was rad. And I think, because most of the hate and disdain that I keep hearing on online and from some people that really, really enjoy Game of Thrones is that nothing is making sense anymore. Like, why did Danny go nuts? And <clears throat> just, you know, she had already destroyed all of those ballistas. You know, she has no real survival concerns anymore at this point. I think. <clears throat> and then she just snaps and is like, all right, I'm just going to nuke the city. So before I, f- I go nuke the Red Keep. I think that because there has been so much dishonesty within her own party. Right. <clears throat> I know that's not what she calls it, but to put it in modern terms, like with among Tyrion and, uh, Varys, you know, who, yep. who got slain was by, by dragon. Oh, yeah. Um, Dracarys. Right. There's so much dishonesty. I don't think that she feels that she could trust anybody in that city to stay loyal to her. You know, so she's which, just wiping the slate which, clean, right? Which I obviously does not justify the genocide of those people because that's what that is. But, um, but I I feel that that may be what is what is fueling some of that. I'm excited to hear what's, I can understand to what's going to happen. You know, yeah. um, but I also thought it was rad to see Jon Snow try and keep order among the. The Trying. rape and pillage that was going on among everybody, yep. you know, all the soldiers on both sides. like Which I'm not going to lie. I was a big – as far as like the filmmaking of this episode. The way it was directed. I absolutely loved every second of it. Yeah. You know, they – like in that post-20-minute, you know, post-show Excuse talk me. with the writers and the producers, whatever, they, they talk about how they wanted to focus on – Aria specifically because right. she's caught in the middle of this maelstrom and, yeah and she just you just can't get anywhere everywhere you go the city is falling down around you and there is no escape from the devastation you just have to try to get through it somehow and I love the fact that they stuck with her so long and she got the shit kicked out of her Dude. so much but at the end of the day she did prevail the we, look on her face when she stood up you know and she like her face saw butt and she just just yeah. was like she's got shell shock like yep. that's like she that's exactly what that is you know just the concussion from all of all of the blast around her and the debris and that's yeah that's fucked up somebody i know while we were sitting there harkened back to the 
devastating videos we saw after the the Twin Towers fell. I mean, yeah, my this was in a fantasy world and all that, but I mean the hellscape that surrounded right, was right, very reminiscent of a real world, you know, collapse of an entire you know block. I wonder if it was designed that way, but they didn't talk about it in the post show because there would be all kinds of people that would, would be upset be. if you were like, you know, we wanted it to kind of resemble nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Like there would be a whole bunch of people that would be like, fuck you. But, but I mean, I wouldn't put it past them because to it subconsciously, would make sense yeah, because yeah. we we have a contemporary version of what that kind of hellscape can look like. And anybody watching Game of Thrones is old enough to remember or appreciate nine eleven. Oh know? yeah, so, I would sure hope so. So they will have like now, a, if you're young enough and you're watching Game of Thrones that you don't remember that, yeah, maybe you shouldn't be watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> well, so. And I don't want to do, you know, like the thing where I tell you how old I am or anything, but... Um, oh, I'm about to feel old, aren't I? Like, 9-11 happened in 2001, you know? Yep. So, there are kids who are 18 years old that weren't alive when that happened. Like, grown adults. You did it. You made me feel old. Yeah. God damn it. It was, like, it was like two years ago that it was the first class of kids that were taught 9-11 as a historical event as opposed to, like, a Jeez. recent event because they were 16 years old. Yeah. Man, that's yeah. a trip. Yeah. Time keeps on slipping, slipping. Well, when uh, when 9-11 happened, what were you doing? I was getting ready for school. How old were you? Don't ask me. I'd have to do the math. Don't ask me. I remember I was in junior high, I think. Yeah, I think I was junior high. And I remember seeing it on TV in yeah. the morning because my mom and I would watch news and stuff in the morning before I got ready It happened early over here, yeah. Yeah, and I just... I remember being like, oh, shit. I mean, how did somebody fuck up that bad? They crashed a plane into a building and right. then kind of throughout the An day. An enormous building. Yeah. And throughout the day, it kind of, it was on at school the whole time. People got let go early from school. And I just didn't grasp it. I was young enough that I didn't grasp the gravity of what was really going on until later. Right. And then it was <clears> like, <throat> wait a minute. This was, this was like an attack on us? That's... That seems weird. Yeah. And then, you know, it kind of grows from there, of course. But to get off the subject of 9-11, we kind of got on that. We did, other than the hound in the mountain, we had some major characters that uh, that did finally disappear. Uh, we, Game of Thrones to 9-11. Yeah, right? <laughs> Game of Thrones to 9-11. Yeah, it... That's I mean, what you're getting when you watch Salt of the Streets. Yeah, we we made that correlation, too, Jesus pretty direct. <laughs> we drilled that home. <laughs> so Cersei and Jamie are dead. Yes. What did you think about their demise? I thought, I truly, I thought that Arya was going into that area, was going into the place underneath the castle because I thought that that would be safe. And so, and she, when they were in King's Landing, she fucked around in there all the time. So I thought that that's where she was headed. And I thought that she was going to go there and kill Cersei and like defeat Jamie and then kill Cersei. I was kind of bummed because I thought Jamie was was going to kill Cersei. I, I remember you end, saying it was gonna that. It going to be like yeah. a love type of thing. It's like, dude, I got you nope. got to go. He had to help her escape. He loved her. So another point of contention here that I keep hearing is the completely unnecessary fight between, oh, I can't remember his name now, the the Greyjoy piece of crap that runs the, oh, yeah, yeah. the fleet. Yeah. Him and Jamie's sword fight right. was, I mean, it was fun. I dug it, but it was completely unnecessary considering that 
for what it didn't matter over nothing over nothing over really nothing yeah and i mean it is what it is that's fine we got to clean the slate kill that guy off you're on you're on yeah yeah because even if he did have sex with cersei at one point that's not going to change anybody's fate in the city who's going in there or who's sitting on the beach you know like nothing is going to be any different no so i i also was confused as to what the purpose was of that fight but i guess to just cement before jamie dies how much he really loves his sister you know like that's what the (laughs) who doesn't know that if you know you've only fucked two ladies and it's your sister and a woman who's looks Kind of like a man, I don't, you know. Yeah, Brienne. I mean, yep, she is uh, Captain Phasma. She's a very word. <laughs> but I mean, I don't think who else. Any other major deaths that I'm missing? I mean, those were the the big big ones. So Cersei and Jaime are dead. The Hound and the Mountain are dead. Ferris is dead. Mm-hmm. Do, 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 do. I think that's it. That was about it this time. Yeah, because John's still alive. Arya's still mm-hmm. alive. So the ultimate question, Don, and we're going to be, people are going to be listening to us ridiculing the shit out of us because we got it so wrong today. Because by the time this comes out, the season finale will have taken place. Who, if anyone, sits on the Iron Throne? How is this whole thing going to end? I think Jon Snow sits on the Iron Throne. Um, I don't, I think that, because I don't think that Daenerys dies, right? I think, I think that she somehow reflects on what she's done and doesn't want to be another mad king and i think that she steps down and goes somewhere else just disappears yeah goes, goes to, back to marine yeah yeah wherever you know wherever works best for her she's pretty popular or there. to uh not to the iron islands but with the fire islands or what the fuck ever or like yeah, her the fire ancestral fire bay or you know yeah. whoever wherever yeah wherever they were at before that Robert Baratheon's brother was there with the Red Queen, you know, because mm-hmm. that's where the Targaryens used to live, right? Was there. I think so, yeah. So uh, that's where I would think that she would go. Because um, as of right now, the Iron Throne is buried in rubble if it's not <clears throat> smelted down into nothingness. Right. I don't I don't know, but Right. Yeah. So, so you're you're thinking Jon Snow's the man. And I think he might I think he might try and rule from the north. Yeah. You know, because the capital is destroyed. I think that they might try and rule from the north and maybe like expand Winterfell or some shit like that. Because uh, it's pretty small from what I understand, Winterfell. Yeah. I mean, at least in comparison to King's Landing. Oh, definitely. So, I mean, it's, it's like a keep in some villages on the outside. It's not like right. an entire city. Right. Um, so, so, I don't know if what I. What do you think? I think, I think somehow or other, John is not involved. Of in the leadership, whether he dies killing Danny or something, I'm I'm not totally sure. I don't I don't know if at the end of this thing there's going to be a unified Seven Kingdoms anymore. I have a feeling we're going to break down into the North and South system. type of deal. Well, I mean, just the you know, I think the six and a half remaining kingdoms will mm. kind of govern themselves again. Maybe we'll have some some feudal action going on. Maybe I don't. I don't know, to be honest. And, but I don't think John sits in any form of, you know, true position of power. I wouldn't be surprised if he dies, especially knowing that, you know, looking at, oh, what was that guy's name? The badass, like, warrior of the, the, the Lord of Light that died in the, the oh, battle. yeah, yeah, with a fire sword. Yeah. I have a that feeling cool. that, that he, much like, he, John, was brought back to life by the Lord of Light to help 
devastate the White Walkers. And I think he's fulfilled his purpose. And if he dies again, he'll die for real this time. Yeah. And so I see Sansa sitting on the throne in Winterfell, holding on to that. And my big question is, what the hell are they going to do with Bran? Bran, he hasn't had a real storyline this entire time. <laughs> and if they do not, if they leave that an open-ended question, I mean, yeah, then I'll just go, you could tell Hollywood has officially taken over because, you know, there is no real life novel written with the end of Game of Thrones, from my understanding. Yet. No. And so they're just making it up as they go along, trying yep. to tie everything together. So, but they fucking better tie up Bran's loose ends because <laughs> he has the potential to be something so interesting, but he's just not right now. He's just kind of chilling. And I don't like that. I want some kind of closure there. Right. But other than that, I, I'm kind of like anything goes at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't see Danny and John playing major roles in the future after the finale. That's really interesting. Well, I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. I think we, might go to, we might go to Aaron and Michael's house to watch it tomorrow. Woo-hoo. We'll see. So it's 1246. So we're going to skip Endgame again this mm-hmm. week. Um, I'm going to hit sports real quick because I just have a couple of notes here and then a story that I want to tell you about regarding basketball. Um, basketball. Yep. Because there is there is a player. I believe that he is a guard for the Blazers. Um, and his name is Enos Cantor. And this is Portland Trailblazers? Yep. Okay. Um Right, and so let's see here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he's guard, but it doesn't. That doesn't fucking matter. Um, In my mind, he's a basketball player, and that's <laughs> why I know you won't care. So, so he's a so he's a basketball player for for the Blazers, right? And he's Turkish. He was born, I believe, in Switzerland, but he's Turkish and. Last year, I think either 2017 or 2018, his passport was revoked. Oh. And so when they've gone other places, he has not traveled there because he's scared that he won't be able to come back home. Right. So Toronto, the Raptors are in the playoffs. Right. So there is a possibility, a slim possibility, albeit that Portland and Toronto play each other in the playoffs in which they would travel alternatingly to each other's cities. Rutrow. Which then puts him at risk. Because <clears throat> who's the leader of Turkey, uh, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, he put out like a red tag for him, an Interpol red tag. Oh, boy. They want to pull him back to Turkey for speaking out against the government, right? Because he's tweeted out against the government. So that's why they revoked his passport. And so Erdogan wants him to come back to Turkey. So presumably they can torture him, right? Yeah. Um and so he's afraid to leave the country if he goes anywhere. He went somewhere um, last year, and there's pictures of him. It was Romania. He went to Romania, I believe, because, I mean, they play basketball all over the I feel world, like right? I remember hearing about he went this. went to Romania, was held in the airport by the police until the State Department stepped in and got him home. Yeah. So now he's at risk of not being able to even play all the way in the playoffs because he might able might not be able to come home. So Ron Wyden, one of the centers from Oregon, reached out to Justin Trudeau and like the Canadian State Department, whatever it is, and is like, I would love if you guys could figure out some type of way that he could travel safely back and forth. You know, I would love if you guys just wouldn't deal with this red tag that Erdogan is trying to place on him. So you talk about a, an illegitimate leader of yeah. a nation like that. He has yeah. no fucking right to do in. 
geopolitics, yeah. whatever comes out of Erdogan's fucking mouth should be disregarded and the world should do whatever the fuck they want because he is not a part of this situation. The motherfucker is a dictator at this point. Yeah. Don't listen to him. In the summer of 2018, the Turkish government indicted Cantor's father on charges of being a member of a terrorist group. And so they are saying that Enos Cantor is affiliated with a terrorist group. And that's why they are saying that he needs to come home. That's why they revoked his passport. And they're technically right. He is affiliated because he has a father who was a fucking idiot, idiot piece of shit. That doesn't make him a fucking terrorist, for God's sakes. Right. That just seems so... Oh. One, he may not even be actually be a terrorist. They may just have it out for Enos That's Cantor, true. and they may have just indicted his father just to try and get him to come home. That's you know? true. So, Especially given Turkey's, you know, their their stance on, like, their, their celebrities abroad. Right. They don't like them to be involved in the Western world because it runs counterintuitive to their fucking ridiculousness going on back home. Right. It wouldn't surprise me in the least... You about to break my heart with some Seahawks news? No, 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 no. This is Ooh. this different. Deion Jordan doesn't play for the Hawks anymore um, because this is sports. Sorry, we should have said that. <laughs> um, no, he doesn't play for the Hawks anymore. I'm trying to get his his full stats up because I think he played for Miami last year. Hmm. Um, but he got suspended six games for fucking taking Adderall, and which. Ooh. Is a weird deal. Um, he went to Oregon, which is great because who doesn't love Oregon? Um, <clears throat> and then when he played uh, in Seattle, he was a DN there. Fantastic. Love, love uh, Deion Jordan. Adderall and is a big problem in college sports. Yes. It is. Yes. It's huge. When I first got out of high school and I worked at the call center, I took a lot of Adderall when I worked there um, because I was working. I mean, I also enjoyed it, but I was working 10 hour shifts and to help me get better at that job, I started taking Adderall to like learn shit quicker and talk faster and get things done. And I was, I was great at that job, but I was on fucking Adderall all the time. Yep. I was actually taking Vivance, which is like a step up from Adderall. Yeah. Well, you're lucky you didn't uh, find yourself addicted to that stuff, man. That stuff can ruin lives real quick if it's not handled the right way. You see a lot of hard candy. Um, and there was one day where I smashed out two bags of sour warheads, Ooh. and I, my tongue started to bleed. So yeah. I had to take a little break from those for a few weeks. <laughs> yep. um, Let your tongue read. Love bro. sour warheads. Yeah, they are great. So any fans want to send me a bag of sour warheads, I will eat them. We would um, not hate that. So the Seahawks signed a quarterback, Geno Smith, uh, just as a backup to the little competition he played, like uh, for the Jets, I think, and then yeah. for someone else. And when he played for the Jets, he got his jaw broken by one of the defensive players because there was like some money that was owed and it was like a whole deal. Oh. Um, so oh. so he's here. Uh, the Patriots signed Jamie Collins. He's a linebacker, fantastic linebacker. Uh, the Jets traded their linebacker, Darren Lee, to the Chiefs for a six-round pick. And the Cardinals, corner... Pat Pete, Patrick Peterson, suspended for six games for uh, PEDs, performance enhancing drugs. Yep. That's what you get, motherfucker. Don't do it, bro. Yep. He's that's getting older. The, that's he's, what the XFL is going to be for. He's getting older, <laughs> so I think that um, it might have been to try and just compete. You know, yeah. Patrick Peterson's getting – I mean, he's not like old. He's just getting older. But it's a young um, man's game, and your yeah. body ages at an exponential rate if you're a contact sports player. Yep. Let's see here. Pat P's 28. So that's what I'm saying. He's not old, but he's getting older, you yeah. know. So might just be losing his step just a little bit. But I mean, Patrick Peterson's fantastic. He is an absolutely incredible corner. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But but yeah, when you're operating at the top levels of a professional sport like that, margins mm-hmm. of error are very very small. Exactly. He's got 23 interceptions in his career, which is that's a lot. That's good. That's good. That's real good. Uh-huh. Yeah, 385 tackles. Jesus, hmm. that's great. Beautiful. Yep. So let's see here. Um, that's it. That's all I got. So we no can... Seahawks news. Oh, right. Thank so you. you mentioned it during so, the pre-show. Yes. I, I got to know so about this. Last week, um, Cam Chancellor and Doug Baldwin failed their physicals, right? So, so they, what does that entail? So it's it's a physical whether or not you can play, just whether or not your body is stable enough to play the game okay. of football, right? So it's not like an athletic measurement. It's just like, you know, you're getting on the treadmill with the rebreather type right, of thing. Right, and that type of shit. Okay. Right. So they both failed their physicals and so they were cut from the team. And then Doug Baldwin, and I bet I can find his um Doug Baldwin. Dougie Fresh to himself. Um because he wrote this like really nice letter to himself that people talked a bunch of shit about and um because they said that he didn't like thank the right people and that, you know, he should have thanked Russell Wilson and, and Pete Carroll and, and all this shit. And I thought it was nonsense because it, it's his fucking career. It, yeah. It's not about anybody else. It doesn't matter if Russell Wilson was the quarterback that got him to the Super Bowl or that Pete Carroll was the coach of the Super Bowl team. It doesn't matter if he had a favorite coach that he bonded with and a quarterback that he bonded with. Then why the fuck does it matter? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a retirement statement about his career. Yeah. Not about his involvement with the team or what he fucking loves or anybody like that. It's not a slight to anybody that he didn't mention them. No. He didn't, he didn't take time to mention every single member of every team he's ever fucking played on. You know? Yeah. Why and would it, you have to? I thought it was bullshit that anybody was talking about the people he didn't mention in his, in his fucking, it's like a, a series of tweets, um, that he did. Interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's a shame, man. I mean, so he's just done with football then at that point, is he? Um, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Man, that's rough. I mean, he's been roughed up a good amount. I, I mean, it's it's a rough gig. Yeah. How old is he now? You know? Oh, let's. I think he's he might be thirty. Um, I mean, not everybody can retire like fucking Janikowski does. Because yes. he just hangs out and smokes cigarettes on the sidelines and kick and misses field goals. He is thirty years old. Jeez, be thirty-one in September. That's a rough so. gig. Because even for the league, that's a little young to be retiring. Um, yeah, maybe right. I mean, you know, it's it's up there, but like thirty-three is probably mm. you know. So when you're like, okay, you should probably yeah probably hang it up now. So he's getting there, but he's had a lot of injuries. He's a small guy. So yeah. He's, he's had a lot of injuries, made a lot of big catches and stuff that's led to big contact. So that's, it was sad. Um, it's rough, man. That's yeah. A, that's a hole and a half to fill. Yeah. So it'll and, be interesting to see what happens with that. I mean, it'll have to be, cause he played on the, I mean, he played in the slot a lot, but also on the outside. So, you know, we'll have to see who they, decide to yeah. to replace him you know because i thought it was going to be a lot of doug baldwin and tyler lockett on the outside and then maybe move doug baldwin inside um and put dk Metcalf on the outside but I, I don't know yeah i don't know time I mean, will tell yeah i'm interested to see the mini camps and the rookie mini camps happened last week and i guess everybody looked really really good i saw some highlights of dk Metcalf, and he looks looks good his feet good. look good hands look good i like that well bon voyage 
does yep. it fresh. You've served the Seahawks very, very well. He's he was a, great. He's an amazing player. Fantastic. And he deserved nothing but the best, man. I'm, I'm hoping that he is still healthy enough to live a long, happy life. Absolutely. Because and, and it is a good thing. I like to see players retire early if if it looks like their health is starting to go. Yeah. Get them out, man. Because that's, that's CTE bullshit. If it gets Don't real, real that. bad, it gets real, real bad real quick. Yeah. So nothing he, but the best for Dougie Fresh, man. He had 493 career, career receptions, 6,563 yards, 49 touchdowns. Jeez. That's a boy. Yep. That's the guy. Ring. That's the guy. And a fucking ring. Yep. Two times Pro Bowl, one time Super Bowl champ. Just don't go to Russia. Putin will try to steal it from you. <laughs> uh, so that is it. So we can uh, hit a line and, and get out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Oh man, I want to make sure that it's a good one, and I don't haven't used it before because I feel like last week, you know, I didn't delete the, it. A first repeat line would be hilarious. I really don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, Rafi, just shut up because it's time to stop eating your crow and start drinking your crow, everybody. Mm. Old crow medicine show. <laughs> pro medicine show what you know i think we might have hit that before <laughs> god damn it